0: good is born from podcasts, and greatness is not what you think.
1: Who who says that? Is is it Wonder Woman? Yeah,
0: guess who who says that? That? What what do you think I'm doing, a Chris Pine impression?
1: I I don't, well, I thought maybe, I don't know, Pascal, I suppose. I, I was more, it wasn't to do with your impression, I was more like,
0: oh boy, do I not remember this movie that well already? My podcast hasn't been what you think it has. We all have our podcasts. She's got that whole group of lines that are all, like, real, kind of. These, these Rufal. Oh, I keep using Rufal. Is yeah.
1: 2021
0: the year of Rufal? I think so. I think Rufal's become episode. your patina. <laughs> yeah. Rufal. I feel like rueful, I also rueful. said Rufal in one episode, and you were, like, taking it back, and you went, Rufal. And it's like you you kind of rediscovered Maybe the word, a, a and now you've osmosis. been running with it. Mm-hmm. No, but you had this moment of just, like, Rufal, nice to see you again. <laughs> old roofie Yeah, old uh, well hey. Uh no, she's got all these lines that like are prominent in the trailer and I guess she says them in the movie, but I can't remember even when she says them that all feel like inspirational quotes on driftwood that someone sells on Etsy, right? Uh yes, right. Yes, they yeah, they and they are rueful. They are rueful. They are roofful. Uh folks, it's 2021. and can i say uh (laughs) 2020 uh uh, you don't need to rest in peace uh i don't mind if you rest in discomfort because man 2020 (laughs) not good yeah more like 2020 see ya. wouldn't want to be ya.
1: Right. Yeah. Definitely. More like rest in pieces. Yeah.
0: Right. That's definitely what I should have said the first time.
1: (laughs) Uh, It is no longer 2020. Is that a good thing? I mean, by 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 the standards of how years have gone recently, no.
0: Look, they they tend to. Tend to only get worse. It's a good thing. It's a good thing in the way that, like, sometimes you need to get rid of some stuff after a breakup. You know, it's like, right? Symbolically, it's good to kind of close the door and be like, I should get get this out of my house. There are too many memories involved in this thing. uh It's not like I have particularly high hopes about twenty twenty one, but I certainly like symbolically yeah. closing the door on uh, a year that objectively uh, drank duck piss. You know, (laughs) it's a real duck piss drink of a year.
1: Uh, yes, duck piss. Rude to ducks. Do they have bad? I know they have corkscrew dicks. That's, I think, just what I think of. It
0: makes me feel like their piss would be sour, the corkscrew. The corkscrew dicks. Right, right. You ever had a duck egg? They're like dark. No, David, I hate eggs.
1: uh... Oh, right. You hate eggs. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, right. This
0: is, this is an incredible. Incredible start to a fresh year of podcasting with us covering mm. a massive new release movie. I really feel like I've set us off Griffin on an was incredible like, foot.
1: Griffin was like, you know what? Let's do Wonder Woman first. Yeah. It'll kick off the new year. The discourse on that one is raging. Right. Like, what better time? Right. And then we're like, so ducks have weird dicks, yeah. right? 2020 LMAO. Minute
0: four is, how sour do you think duck piss tastes? <laughs> Should great. we just start over? No, no. This is all mm. in. This is all in. You, re- I mean, do you feel like? Do you feel like this is going to hurt us, Ben? Do you think people who are going, huh? I've been looking for a Wonder Woman podcast. Are going to turn it off at this point?
2: Can I be honest? Yes. I don't think it's going to help. Hey, but I, li-
0: I like a challenge. We'll find out. <laughs> Look, let me tell let me tell folks what this is. Okay. This podcast isn't duck piss talk. It's blank check with Griffin and David. I'm Griffin. <laughs> I'm
1: David. We could rename it. That I guess It's something to consider. But well, we'll
0: see. Yeah, we'll see. Let's let's uh, let's leave it open to a vote. <laughs> You're a right. legally binding vote. It, look, this is a podcast about filmographies. Directors who have massive success early on in their careers and are given a series of blank checks, and make whatever crazy passion products they want. And sometimes those checks clear and sometimes they lasso the lightning and ride on it. Baby. Sure.
1: maybe. Now. Uh, yes, w- that's true. This is not really part of that but,
0: but this but, is absolutely but. a blank check movie this is the little bit of table setting oh, yeah. i want to do is. for people who don't remember a good point or or jumping on on this hot fresh very welcoming new episode which is uh this podcast is <sighs> fresh usually as
2: duck's piss
0: well yeah we should just double down on it we should just keep on invoking it non-stop throughout this entire episode um usually this podcast is about filmographies as we said and and director yep. driven and we'll pick a director and we'll cover all of their movies in order in a little mini series but a couple of years ago we felt like we needed to do Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice I'm sorry I said the title wrong uh, Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice Mhm and uh it's a movie. It just felt like such a blank checky thing that even though we were like, eh, I don't know if we ever want to cover Zack Snyder, this seems like such a colossal sort of like bizarre, auteur driven blockbuster. Uh, we recorded it. We lost a lot of the audio. We well, released a truncated version. First and version.
2: only time we've ever had tech problems. It's never been a thing since never that thing. time. Never, never been. Never come thing. up. Never. never twenty twenty,
0: perfect year in terms yeah. of tech. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, rest in peace. I mean, you you are always pristine. People start have started calling me producer Griff cuz they're just like I assume you've been handling everyone's audio recently, right? You just <laughs> fully are engineering and editing every episode because you're just so on top of this stuff?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. This is the point that I was trying to make was that after the success of the MCU Warner Brothers wanted to play catch up and they made this very bizarre decision to pretty much put one filmmaker in control of the whole extended universe and sort of overseeing it and have everyone else have okay. to fit their movies into his vision. We have to talk about this. OK. And we're going to. Right. Right. That's all important. Right. Right, right, and then they've sort of backed off from that, but then it's become a weird sort of sideways thing, and we've gone back and forth on whether or not we still feel obligated to cover these movies. Now, this one felt important to cover for a couple of reasons. A, because we love the first Wonder Woman, and B, because Patty Jenkins has only made three films. She's one of these people where we very easily could do, like, a monster fill-in episode on Patreon and just say, like, Patty Jenkins is a filmmaker we cover every time there's a new movie. And I think that would be fair. I think she's an interesting enough filmmaker doing blank check projects on a huge scale. She's a good person to sort of put in our back pocket— in that way. But yes, let's talk about the larger sort of state of the DC thing.
1: So this is the thing. And yes, and because the right, because Patty Jenkins, as you say, is now absolutely a blank check filmmaker, yeah. I would say. Yeah. But uh, when she gets Wonder Woman, is the absolute opposite. Someone right. who made a film that should ostensibly have gotten her a lot more work and then struggled for, you know, 10 plus years to even get a job mm-hmm. uh, in movie making. But right, the DC Extended Universe launched in 2013 mm. with Man of Steel,
0: a movie we've never covered and should. No. It, we're putting a no. lot of things on our plate that we might have to throw on Patreon at some point in the near future.
1: I, it'll be fun. I mean, I guess yeah. maybe we do Snyder one day, but God, that just feels like a nightmare. Snykids. Um, yeah, the Snykids. Um, and yes, of course. Well, here's just a bunch of things to say. So, When Man of Steel comes out, it's a year after the Avengers. Mm -hmm. So it's a year after the MCU thing has gone from experiment to juggernaut. And, you know, has gone from, oh, what are they doing over there to like, oh, we should try what they're doing over there.
0: Right. And there was this thing of like, you know, oh, we're very carefully just trying to relaunch Superman. Superman is a crown jewel. We're just trying to relaunch that. And then like six weeks after Man of Steel comes out, they're like the next movie is Batman versus Superman. We're building the whole universe out. We're going to 100. This
1: is this is the problem. It's, It's the dual problem of and people, I guess, maybe forget it. But like, while the Marvel kick thing is kicking off, DC or Warner Brothers is having this great success with these critically acclaimed Christopher Nolan Batman movies. Yeah. So
0: entirely you know, self contained, to... completely unconcerned right. with larger world building outside of those movies. Yeah, right. Like Kevin Feige is making Chris Hemsworth and Chris
1: Evans and so on sign these seven picture deals with these yeah. balloon salary. De- you know, like. Like, you can't do that with Christian Bale. You're not gonna say, no. like, hey, so you've done two of these. Do you wanna sign on? Maybe do like six more where you do some cameos and shit. And like we do, you know, like and not gonna happen. So Man of Steel comes out. Mm-hmm. That's that's a Nolan produced, you know, and he yeah. he he identifies Snyder as he thinks he'll make a cool Superman movie. Snyder has this, you know, Ayn Rand fucking I am a you know alien among humans and I like he has a pitch at least
0: he's got pitches let me just say a couple quick things just butt in with a couple quick fine points here one is there were a long list of directors who were apparently in talks like Darren Aronofsky and Matt Reeves who later goes on to do Batman and even Affleck met with them
1: Right. Aronofsky, one of those guys who circled so many comic book movies. Yeah. And it w- was always, everyone would always get excited and then it would never come
0: together. But, but apparently, really wanted to do this. And it was like Goyer and Nolan had a pitch. They had a take on how to redo Superman. And the pitch was very much, we can do for Superman what we did for Dark Knight. Like the plan was not right. build out a whole right. thing not out of this.
1: Extended universe. Right. Exactly. It was like
0: redefine Superman. And there was also the looming specter of the lawsuit from the Schuster uh, right. estate they where had they, to do a they thought they movie. were going to lose right. a bunch of the rights. They had to do it. And Zack Snyder, by a lot of accounts, became the choice because they were like, we know he can handle a movie of this size. We know he will be able to get this up and running quickly. Yes. But then they're in bed with him and they double down and they're like, do you want to be our grand architect? Well, I,
1: and I guess, you yeah, know, it's like, They greenlight the sequel right away,
0: even though the movie disappointed, but it did okay. You know, it still did good. It it was very successful. I think public perception was split, but you also announce a sequel that isn't Man of Steel 2, is pointedly. Now we're going huge. But I think they,
1: didn't they initially announce, that's what I can't remember. Didn't they just initially announce, like, there'll be a sequel? Yes. And then it was, I remember at Comic-Con Snyder presented the logo yes. with, like, Batman behind it. Yeah. And it was like, ah, oh, and everyone freaking out. And so, right, like, maybe initially they were like, and then whatever. Warner Brothers gets involved. They're like, we that, need a universe now, boys. Comic-Con You're going to introduce
0: Wonder Woman. It's all going to happen. The Comic-Con thing was six weeks after that movie came out. That's the thing I think people forget. By all accounts, mm. it was, like, a scramble internally because as you said it's like 2008 is iron man and the dark knight right and then 2012 is uh dark knight rises and the avengers Avengers. so like one year dc is the dominant force and marvel has an outside hit experimenting with a weird thing and then four years later, DC closes the book on their most successful franchise and Marvel just supercharges. And so the next year they're scrambling and by all accounts, their plan was Man of Steel 2 and then they sort of did the Hail Mary pass like the week or two before Comic-Con and went like, what if we just fucking go for it? Right. And they did it and they were legends. Yeah. As
1: as we keep talking about this This whole enterprise, obviously, one of the original sins is just them doing it all too so quickly. Like uh, you know, uh, trying to launch everything in one movie. That's a Superman sequel. Suicide Squad holds
2: up. Suicide Squad holds up. But following it with Suicide
1: Squad, which is bad and also has all this extended universe crap that's also separately bad and not helping matters
0: but it's also fascinating like we had no intention of covering suicide squad and then you saw and you were like you don't understand how weird this thing was and i was like i guess we got to do it and then at that point we had sort of backed into it where we're like it's not just the snyder strain we're interested in i guess it's this whole enterprise Excuse me, but I do step back from it because to some degree I think we feel felt a little burdened like, oh, we've gotten ourselves trapped in this expectation that we have to cover every DC movie. Then we skipped Shazam because we were like, who gives a shit? And then and that ended up being right. one of the best ones and one of our favorite yes. superhero movies in the last 10 years. <laughs> so we feel like yes. idiots and we like told Ange, like, you should do Birds of Prey because we're just sort of over this. But then we both right. definitely liked Birds of Prey more than most mm. of these movies. I mean, Angel liked it more than us, and I, I think she was absolutely. I, I, I don't like that movie. That fair much. enough. Fair enough. Go on. But but the point is, uh, I think we've had this uneasy relationship with how much we want to be in bed with like the commitment of needing to do every and, DC and, and, movie. And we sh-
1: and I uh, for two things. One, yep. we should never commit because yes. <laughs> every. 6 months there's yeah. an article and there was just one in the New York Times where yeah. they're like yeah we're going to do uh, 50 movies a week right. Batman is going to fucking be in a sitcom that's on yeah. HBO Max where his Dick is out and it's going to be great
0: <laughs> we're doing six we're just gonna... different <laughs> TV shows on HBO Max that all interconnect and each one is based on one item on Batman's utility belt <laughs>
1: <laughs> bat Shark repellent on HBO Max yeah. Yes,
0: and I mean it's so like
1: I'm that ne- we will never commit we're but not going to put a ring now, on it. Now that you're saying it, yes, we have covered every single DC extended universe film except for Shazam. And Man of Steel. Those are the only two we haven't done. <laughs> and Man of Steel, right? There's yeah. two, right? Okay. Yeah. but And Shazam is possibly my favorite, although yeah. I do love my good boy Aquaman. And I do enjoy The Adventures of Wonder Woman. But no, I think Shazam is my favorite. Uh, that, you know, the James Gunn Suicide Squad movies coming up. I'd like to do talk about that. Maybe we
0: wait I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. 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 But it's also like another thing where guns a guy where we've covered both Guardians on Patreon and he's only made two movies outside of that. So you're like, and he's certainly a blank check guy. This is this is the thing I butt up against. I was thinking about this a lot while watching Wonder Woman 1984, which is what this episode's about. But I do think to some degree. No, I've said it. I think I don't know. Maybe I haven't. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) This (laughs) podcast is bad. It's worse than duck piss. No, shut up. (laughs) I think. I think. All of this table setting is necessary because to some degree, this is such this movie represents such a zoom out moment of just like, what is the state of blockbuster filmmaking right now? This movie has become such a weird fulcrum point of so many different things, not just DC, not just Warner Brothers and how they're run under AT&T, but also streaming versus theatrical and also just like superhero franchise building. And also, I think like the state of online discourse around movies because i cannot remember the last time people have gotten this kind of apoplectic at large about a film it feels like different the way that people are angry on this one yes it does and i don't really get it but we can talk about that i I have i have thoughts and theories and they are simply just that
1: i look I have thoughts and theories not just about this movie, but about three big movies that came out really close together that were much hyped after a year that huh, in my opinion, yeah, wasn't much to write home about. Talking about twenty twenty over here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um but let Mank, Tenet, and this all yeah. came out like within six weeks of each other, basically. And All got very different reactions, but all basically like, ugh, ugh, like was sort of a fairly common thread, I would say. And it's perfectly reasonable to not like any of those movies. But it did also just kind of feel like everyone was
0: like, ah, which I understand. Totally. I think it's bad. Right. And, uh... Look, I, I went on this whole sort of thing in the Old Guard episode and people really pushed back at it because they felt like I was being sort of like uh, a judgmental or gatekeepy about the way that people watch movies, which is not my intent. It is more that I feel like I've spent a lot of this year and it's we're too in it. It's impossible to fucking come up with a thesis here. But sociologically, there is a major shift going on in how people consume entertainment and talk about it, right? And it's been yes. supercharged by everyone being stuck at home watching everything on their couch non-stop trying to distract themselves and then also spending even more time online. But but the shift has been happening gradually for a while. That having been said, like you said Soul, Mank, and Wonder Woman were the three you listed.
1: No, no uh, Mank, Tenet, and Wonder oh, Woman. I, oh, I don't think Soul agreed. falls in that bucket. So Soul, Soul Soul has gotten maybe you know, there's there there's always gonna be discourse, but well, yeah. You know, th- that's you what know, I was fairly positive. Say.
0: No, but, I think those three you threw out completely correct and fair. I, I think the Soul thing was also fascinating to watch where it was like Soul and Wonder Woman both go up on their streaming platforms, Christmas Day. It feels like overwhelmingly, especially in the first 24 hours, Wonder Woman won the battle of the eyeballs, right? Everyone was watching that thing right away.
1: Yeah, it was for the whole family. Everyone could watch it. You know, Wonder Woman. Who doesn't like Wonder Woman? Right. Your soul. It's like it's, it's a, some people don't want to watch a kids' movie. They don't know what it's about. An
0: anticipated sequel to a beloved movie, like one of the yeah. sort of more well-regarded uh, films yes. in one of the more the most dominant genre at popular cinema, and it also is like this big-budget sort of spectacly movie. Yeah. The idea of people getting to watch it at home, I think, felt like a Christmas present to people. Like, fine Finally, here's a real movie in this year where the things we've been getting on streaming have felt like kind of uh, damaged goods, you know, like write off yeah. sort of shit uh, by and large. Right. And uh, everyone was just going wild, buck wild about Wonder Woman flipping out. But it was also just astounding to watch how loud the discourse was by like noon on Christmas Day and mm, not just among mm. film Twitter people, but like the people I specifically nope. follow in order to follow people who don't talk about movies all the time. Like, like, or like piece of shit. Yeah, lame. Worst movie I've seen the last thirty years, and I'm like, you write for Politico. <laughs> And you watched it within two hours of waking up on Christmas morning? Like, like it was just... Well, Santa came and he brought us Wonder Woman. Totally. But then I feel like by the end of Christmas night or maybe the following day, I saw the sentiment of like, why is everyone watching Wonder Woman? Soul is on Disney Plus and it's good. Don't watch the movie that makes you mad. Watch Soul. And Soul was then being positioned as like, this is the alternative. This is actually the good studio film. And then like 24 hours after that, the Soul backlash started. And once again, like yeah, well, I uh, I totally understand all of the soul backlash. I think it's a flawed movie that I do like a lot. But it, it's just the cycle is so fucking quick these days. And you well, speak about how all, Yeah. It's all available at our
1: fingertips. It is. You know, not for free, for free, but obviously yeah. like with the click of a button and uh, the internet's out there and people are bored. Uh, yes. it's a boring time in general, the holidays and more boring right now. A lot yeah. of people are alone or haven't traveled or, you know, just with their whatever. Um, so yeah, uh, these are all things. Um, but also people just kind of think this movie's dog shit, so I can't really no. argue with that. I, I mean,
2: there's a lot. Uh, to I would say it's
1: more dog or
2: duck piss, but.
0: Yeah, ben, I'm... how dare you fuck up the duck piss joke? It was so clean up until this point, and then you tripped on the word. Damn it. It fuck. was perfect. We had a perfect run of everyone loving this perfectly executed bit. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found.
2: That project manager I could never seem to hire?
0: And Found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at LinkedIn.com slash Spoken. That's LinkedIn.com slash Spoken. Terms and conditions apply. I want to I say one thing on the onset here, because I fall into this trap sometimes where I'll like I'll say something. People are like, why is Griffin projecting what he thinks other people think or why they don't like a thing or this kind of thing. And I feel like it's like it comes with the territory of more people listen to our podcast now, right? We have a podcast that's casual and conversational by design, but now more people listen to it and they take more stock in it. And so when i throw out some sort of like half-baked thesis i have it sometimes hits people like i'm trying to pass legislature you know like i'm making some sort of sweeping judgment because i love coming up with theses And, and and i think about like i had this exact thought while watching wonder woman weirdly but when i was in like middle school and we had to write like a formal essay for the first time And it was on, like, Romeo and Juliet. And I handed in some, like, you know, four-page essay that was filled with dumb jokes and puns. And also every sentence began with, like, I think or I don't know or I kind of feel like. And my (laughs) teacher pulled me aside and she was like, this is unacceptable. Complete rewrite. Start over. (laughs) Like, not even an Mm -hmm. F. Like, not Mm -hmm. applicable. Like, this is not an essay. And I was like, what's the problem? She's like, first of all, you can't make fucking jokes. Second of all... Uh, you can't start your sentences off with I think or I feel or maybe and I said why and she was like part of like writing an essay is you're really selling an argument like you're absolutely certain that this right. is the case you,
1: you don't want to hedge at the start of a sentence with like I don't right. know maybe like, you know,
0: right and I have this very distinct memory of turning to her and saying but I'm 13 years old I don't know what I'm talking about why would I assume <laughs> that I have the right take on Romeo and Juliet and she just sort of was silent and went I don't know because that's how essays work but I, I yeah. think I think about that because anytime oh, I can tell you make it right anytime I say anything on this show that rubs someone the wrong way in terms of like, I think people don't like this because of this, or this is why this is good and everyone has it wrong. I do want to frame that I always think of myself as that 13 year old boy in a class. that's like, why is anyone taking my opinion seriously? I'm just saying what I think. Right. But I, I bring this up because to some degree, digging into this movie and what works in it and what doesn't work in it and why people are so angry about it is going to get into a lot of conjecture, right? Because it's difficult sure. to try to parse to a certain degree even what this movie is trying to do in certain areas. I want to hear what you guys think. Like, I, I forget the discourse. Sure, people don't like
1: it. Yeah. That's fine. Sure. That does seem sure. to be where the chips have fallen for old Diana and company, mm-hmm. but... um But, you know, I I don't know what you guys thought of it because we haven't talked about it because you've been keeping your opinion a secret. I have. You saw it as a professional
0: critic. You were sent a screener early and you were part of sort of that second wave of critics. That's the other thing was like first wave of early tweet reactions. Very positive. Then there's the second wave of critics writing long form reviews and you were on the upper end of those. Those started to get a, l- me, a little more mixed Me, Dana Stevens, Justin Chang Were sure. the Wonder Woman crew Joe Robinson loves it A lot of our friends love it And then the movie drops And people are really negative Yeah,
1: I, I, you know There was some dissection of the sort of Way that Warner Brothers You know, rolled it out Where people who work for Whatever, where some people saw it first And like you say They'll treat, tweet a reaction And it's a very mm-hmm. positive reaction And they were like You know, this is the sort of The game they play it, that's an old game that's not new that, that no. marvel does that like that's been happening for years like that yeah. there's nothing new about that at all yeah they, like who cares like whatever that's just that's just how it works if you you know i wouldn't take early tweet reactions too seriously I, you know maybe there's sort of some fun in trying to parse enthusiasm but usually they're going to be enthusiastic but even as um, you said yes. like
0: i mean walter walter Chaw had a really good thread on twitter the other day about like you know a practice that's probably going to fall by the wayside now because of how much everything is changing, but how especially for like big populist blockbuster movies, critics usually saw them at screenings that were filled otherwise with like people who won a radio contest. Like even they, just they, to make they sure they do do that. that critics would they see don't. a movie with a crowd that's more excited. That, that, that's It's something that's fallen out of fashion, but that was very much like the way the studios operated in like the 90s and the early 2000s. Yeah.
1: I would say if you're going to what is called a voucher screening now, yeah. that's a bad sign. That's yes. usually a sign that a a studio does not have a lot of um, faith in the movie. Or it's a sign that you're seeing the movie later. Because, uh, you know, there's there's always preview screenings that they can fit you into if
0: you, like, missed a screening. But, 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 like, but Walter's point was just that, like, the entire psychological attack there so, is always, let, yeah. let critics see it with people who are very excited to see it and are reacting positively yeah. to the movie so they sit back and go i don't know i guess it works even if i don't like yeah
1: it. they they look studios are gonna try and sell you on their movie like, they always fucking not, do that, this there's not, always there's no shit news like there that. that's right yeah that's always been right. true and the most crucial thing is they want you to see it in a the theater and yeah. that's true for the smallest indie you know, if you want to, this is again, pre-COVID, if you want to fight them and say like, hey, can you just send me a link? I'm busy. I can't make the screening, whatever. They really don't like to do that because they want you to see it in a the theater because they know yeah. theaters are better. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't see this in a the theater. I saw this on my television. Um,
0: no. no, can I throw... Like,
1: what it as did most people, although it did okay the box office and we will talk about that. It's, it's okay yeah. being a relative term.
0: Right. But I mean, far and away the most successful pandemic movie. Um can I throw out, like, take number one? Because you're saying we, we've we been playing our opinions close to the vest. We haven't really told you what we thought of it. Uh, we definitely... Yeah. I, I don't want to speak for Ben. I definitely like it less than you do. I think it's sure. a mess. I like it sure. more than most people. And a lot of that is me falling into my griffin trap of... I cannot help but give a movie a lot of points for being Very this weird. compellingly weird. Right, right. Even if I think it is unsuccessful, I'm so fascinated by so much of what she was trying to do that it's like I prefer this movie missing the mark by a lot to a movie mm-hmm. that succeeds at far more modest ambitions, especially in a genre that has become so cookie cutter and on rails in so many Ways. This is such a compellingly gonzo series of decisions made in a completely overstuffed movie that feels very uh, that 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 feels very individualistic to me in certain ways. Hell yeah, I but I but I don't think it's a good movie. I'm compelled by it. I don't think it's a good movie. I, I don't get that. I.
1: I like it, but I but that again, I like you know, people really hate it. So I, I and I, when watching it, was not thinking like this isn't like when I saw the Last Jedi, you know, mm-hmm. at the big press screening and the crowd's going wild, and I'm like, damn, this thing fucking annihilated. Like this, this thing is gonna rule. Everyone's gonna right. love it. There will be no you know disagreement on that one when yeah. I saw it I was like man this movie is weird and doing a thing I did not expect at all and you know I'm, I'm sort of impressed by the intentionality I was not sure how it would go over in general yeah um and it f- also felt kind of lacking in uh how to put this in a nice way just kind of like cheesy girl power crap which i don't think is a patty jenkins problem huh. at all but it can be a an mcu or it's a comic book movie problem sure. it's a corporate movie problem where yeah. the person looks at the camera and is like mm? you know like you know
0: whatever but anyway but maybe i'm wrong about that too i it's weird like i feel like the movie is 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 and isn't like I saw some on Twitter call it like kind of like the ultimate tote bag feminism movie. And I think, it's you know, not, that's a weird thing to say. I don't get that at all. That that that
1: feels like a criticism of what Wonder Woman or whatever, like of of what I'm talking about. A thing yeah. that's annoying that's only been building up for years. This movie is bananas. There's this
0: is not what this movie well, is. That's I, no, so much bad. of my, my thing. I mean, uh, like... Uh, uh, it, you know, this is this is a, a a gripe of mine that I go back to very very often, right? But like, I like Big Eyes more than almost anyone on the planet. I understand <laughs> that sure, that is you not sure do. <laughs> a loved movie, right? But what no, what co- no. what continues to piss me off is that like, very critics. Very few critics stood up for that movie in any kind of way. It made no dent at the box office. And then people were so fucking like cynical and outraged when they announced that Tim Burton was doing Dumbo. And I was kind of like, what do you fucking expect? He made the exact movie you've been asking him to make for 10 years, the small little indie movie without special effects, and no one gave a shit about it. Why wouldn't he just take his ball and leave and go back... But that's that's my point. Here's So I I bring up this example for that exact reason, David, where I just there's a part of me that wants to say to everyone who is outraged about Wonder Woman 1984. I completely understand if you despise this movie. I don't even particularly like it, but I do worry that the viciousness of the response is going to discourage anyone from being this weird.
1: I, I I I I will push back slightly against that by being like at the end of the day it is a superhero movie. There's gonna be billions of them. Like I know what you mean though. I know the fear is like whatever. Like a person like Jenkins doesn't get to write around check as much. Right. Even though these movies make money, ball right. Like that Warner Brothers that a studio. It's like the Last Jedi thing, an unambiguous success, obviously. Right.
0: Right. It's, it's at the, the same, same time, thing.
1: one that caused a corporation to panic and be like, right. ah, is that too weird? Should we just like, you know, do like Luke Skywalker? Like, ah, you know, like that, that just that vibe.
0: Yeah. Yes. That's, that's my but, fear.
1: At the end of the day, they're all fucking superhero movies. There's too damn many of them. Agreed. Okay. Um, I'll say so this. Ben, weigh that. in, tag in. Wish logic is a
2: weird thing to explore in a movie. Love it. It's definitely Love like Playground. Kind of re- like remind me of, like, yeah, well, I get ultimate wishes
1: plus four. Cause, right. And, and infinity plus, plus one three. situation. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> look, look, Katie Rich texted me halfway through this movie and she was like, I don't get it. He wished to be the the rock. And I'm like, Katie, it's a wishing for all infinite wishes thing. He's just yeah. he's just doing the six year old like, well, if I got a lamp from a genie, See, that's what I would do. If he became the character
2: monkey paw. <laughs> Then I could be like, oh, okay This guy's a <laughs> well, villain, you, he's you, got a name He's got like a costume You like animal fists I'm you, you, He, had, he yeah. became a little crumpled up fist
0: But this is like another example Of where I'm just sort of So confused by the state Of like blockbuster superhero Discourse, where as many Have pointed out, like anyone Complaining about the fact that I cannot believe this movie is about A wishing stone, is conveniently Forgetting that the entire Marvel scenario The Infinity Stones. It's about a guy who builds a glove to fit five wishing stones. (laughs) Yeah,
1: that's like the the silliest thing in the world, which no one, like the Russo brothers aren't going to sit down and be like, oh, no, the Infinity Stones are real and they're a metaphor for. No, they're going to be like, yeah, they're magic fucking
0: rocks. One's a power rock, one's a space rock. That one gets, gets you to space. Like, come on. Right. And David, what has always been my biggest complaint about how the MCU handled Thanos?
1: That he wasn't in love with death and like yeah, that's the they, kind of thing they took more, out more all of the a Richard Donner vibe
0: operatic right. superhero goofiness where I go like if we can't get to that point then what the fuck are we doing here and to that degree I love that this movie is unabashedly just about a magical wishing stone I love how goofy oh, that yeah. is I agree with yes. Ben though that the problem is not that it's about a wishing stone I think the rules of the stone are it's so incoherent. <laughs>
1: Look, I'm gonna come out and say it because I know this is against this is like when Ben went from you know being a wet boy to a sandy boy, yeah, but I don't give a shit about the rules. Who cares? It's what? Just, like be careful what you wish for. we get it, it's bad, you're gonna get something good. But it's
0: not going to work but out. I, Who cares? I think, I think the movie fails at even making that point clearly. Like, I am not asking no, for enough. internal logic. This is a movie about a world where gods exist and they made a cursed stone. I get it. I don't right. need to understand the chemical properties of the stone. I don't need fucking, like, you know, a, a, a bill of, of instructions with the stone. But I do feel like watching this film every 20 minutes, I was confused trying to recalibrate how the stone works even just to the degree to jump way ahead it there's the whole stretch of the movie after pedro pascal becomes the stone where it feels like in order for a wish to happen he needs to talk someone into saying the wish they for need him. to say i wish but, but even uh, if it's something that him. he wants it feels like well, oh he's the no, stone, that, which means he can't make the wishes himself, and yes. then he starts making the wishes himself again.
1: No, he doesn't. He only can make the wishes himself once he is connected to everybody by satellite. I'm so before confused. then, before then he's cursed. That's why there's that ridiculous, even I will I cannot defend scene where there's a like a PowerPoint, an eighties PowerPoint explaining yes. the satellite where it's like yeah technically it's touching people and like it's like okay all right i guess that you know that's that's how we're going to make this uh third act scale versus him just walking around and touching people
2: well but i david it feels like he's he's granting people wishes and getting something out of it but then at some point he's like Sometimes, going to his yeah. driver he's like boy Wouldn't you wish that traffic would part like the Red Sea and the guy's like, yes, I wish that. And then it's like he's kind of getting his way. So there's a lot of mixed messaging around how the mechanics of it work.
1: He thinks that if he becomes the stone, that it's it's the – it is – we're going to talk about this movie soon, but Jafar – Wanting to be a genie where he's yes. like, oh, the genies are the most powerful. I should be that. And it's like, no, if you're a genie, you can only do what someone asks you to do. Yes, because even though you have omnipotent power, you are bound by laws of geniehood. He's like, oh, I should just be the wishing stone. No, no, no. Not only are you going to need other people to make wishes that you want to have happen, but you are going to have an insatiable need to grant wishes because that is your purpose. Yes, great. It's a banana. so silly. Love it. He's the stone. He shouldn't have become the stone.
0: David, this movie's silliness is the main thing it has going for me in its eyes. You don't have to sell me on the silliness. That is my entire defense for the portion of this movie that I like is the silliness. But I do feel like the movie does not even, like, I'm not saying I didn't get it. Obviously, I understood. But I feel like the movie does not clearly set up the monkey paw aspect in terms Mm. of just like when you get montages of all the wishes happening they focus on Mm. wishes that are bad in the first place right and i've seen so many people saying like well i don't understand the movie's all about how everyone has to give up their wish as if no one wished for something that was actually like positive and then the response to that is well the entire idea is that if you wish for something positive, it's a monkey paw, it would get cursed, it would somehow fuck sure. with you. But when the but movie. you're seeing people who are like, I wish that person would die, and then I they wish, die. I wish like, all oh, the Irish no. would be thrown into paddy wagons. <laughs> like, the movie so frontlines bad selfish wishes that they. Sure, that because the it's a movie it, about
1: selfishness.
0: Yeah, I but understand. Yes, yes, I get what you're But I just here. think right. it's one of these things where it's like. Well, uh, A a movie, even if you are able to infer what a movie is trying to say, sometimes, especially with like populist you know entertainment if a movie doesn't say the thing clearly it is hard to process it emotionally you understand intellectually i guess this is what they were trying to do but it's it makes it hard to actually engage with it and that's like that's a perfect example of it where it's like you need to show some good wishes and then people getting the fucking bad end of the stick you can't just show people who are like i'm a racist i wish i had more nuclear weapons well I would reply
1: and I already feel ridiculous how much I'm defending this movie that nobody likes, but that we've been watching the opposite for the whole movie because Chris Pine is here and we know that he's here in this cursed way and she can't think about it. No one's thinking about, you know, the bad stuff, but that's what the Chris Pine wishes. It's this wonderful thing that's happening to her that we immediately know is terrible because he's not just back he is in the body of someone else and um i think that's a very crucial decision the movie is making to communicate so what a terrible thing this is but other people are like why the fuck is that happening but that's that's but but this is my
0: issue with it david they don't treat Mm. that as the bad end of the monkey paw right they treat She's losing her power as the repercussion. They do, which I don't think
1: is necessary because for two reasons: one, what you're saying, and two, we've been there. Like of I, there's so many of these, and I know there's so many superhero movies now yeah. that it's hard not to go back to the same wells. But like, like haven't like obviously Spider-Man did that. I feel like there's just a lot. of It's movies also that have it done almost always
0: happens on the two. It's like Spider-Man Two. Happens Superman on the two. two. Yeah. And like
1: happens on the second act for 20 to 30 minutes. And there's a yes. moment where it's like, oh, wait, what? I'm wounded, you know, and it's a what's going on? My vision isn't working. And then you're like, yeah, well, can we just fucking get to your powers working again when the score is going to kick in and you're going to kick some right. ass? Right. You know what
0: I mean? Like, we just know it's delaying the inevitable. I also feel like so much of what they got right in the first movie is like. You know, on paper, everyone being like, how are you ever going to make a fucking Wonder Woman movie, right? And for so many years, this movie was in development hell because it was just like, how do you fucking execute this character in, like, a post-Gen X landscape? Everyone struggled to do Superman since Christopher Reeve. That was a more innocent time, at least in terms of, like, the tone of movies and whatever. And here's this character who's a literal god and is perfect and is statuesque and all this sort of shit. Like, how do you do it, right? And how do you make their... Be any sort of tension or conflict with someone who's, who's really sure. kind of... The Superman issue, right. Right. And I think what was so smart about the first movie is she really approaches the character on an ideological level, right? She's fighting ideological battles. It's not the tension of mm-hmm. whether or not she will successfully be able to beat this guy because she's fucking Wonder Woman. It's she's the question about str- whether or not she can win moral arguments. And I think an issue with this movie is that... When you get to that shit of like the weird body swap nature of Chris Pine being in some other dude's human shell, you cannot tell because they tie it so much to her losing her powers, whether that's just a riff on I like 80s body swap movies, I'm making a weird 80s comedy Or if there's supposed to be some moral reckoning there, because it feels like they truly spend so little time being concerned about who the fuck this guy was, which is why I think it makes people so uncomfortable. It was not a thing that made me uncomfortable. And like the extrapolations that people have made about like the inhumanity of how the Christopher Paloha character is treated is like I would never go that far. But I understand why people are spiraling on it because the movie's Mm. attitude to it is very strange.
2: That's yeah. Fair. That that like, that being John thing. Malkovich is he inside but
1: then he doesn't right.
2: recognize her later in the movie. He no, seems I, to yeah, have I just been like,
1: "Oh, I lost a portion of my life." He's shut down. Right. He's right. I also think there might be like a kind of general like that was a mania that we all forget, you know, like right like cuz like the whole world just goes yes. insane for a week. So maybe everyone's just like, "Uh"
0: I don't know. I mean, I look, I another idea I like a lot on paper and I even like a little bit in execution is making one of these superhero movies where – I mean, someone tweeted yesterday uh, – I'm going to keep citing tweets and not giving credit because there have been too many tweets about this movie and I can't remember who said what. But someone tweeted something like, what kind of superhero movie is this? Is it one of those we need to close the gates or one of those we need to get the port – the orb, Right. Right. And it's like one of those things where like... Oh, a portal in the sky. Right. These movies tend to fall into, is there an opening that we need to close or is there an object we need to reclaim or is it both of them at the same time? And I do like that this movie, the threat is essentially, is society going to eat itself alive, right? I like that. Yes, absolutely. The third act of this movie is like Strange Days where it's just like everything is just going to shit and we're all just like tearing each other apart. I think that is compelling. I mean, these are the reasons I cannot throw this movie out with the bathwater because it's just Mm. like there's shit going on there in the ways in which I think she so successfully Patty Jenkins analyzed in the first movie. What are all the things that are getting tiring about superhero movies? And what are the fundamental tenets that we've moved away from that are the only reasons to be telling these stories in the first place? And I think she she isn't as well calibrated on this one. But I am Mm. so compelled by how much she is clearly trying to answer these questions i mean your biggest take is that like the movie is her doing a richard donner riff and people need to view it through the prism of recognizing how goofy those movies were and how much latitude those movies had by not being invested in reality and owning that they're based on baby books where silly things happen (laughs) i mean like you know as everyone knows superman ends with
1: superman flying around the earth backwards so fast that he turns back time. A, A thing that doesn't even make sense if you're six no like you know if we, when you're six you're like why would the earth going backwards reverse time wouldn't that, it just like make yeah. tidal waves like something terrible like
0: but you're just like whatever i get it right and when superman and lois yeah. lane fly for the first time she has an internal monologue poem set to music like all this stuff where like yes, it's yes. very easy to clown on but also isn't that what we should be doing that's the vibe like, right right right, right. I agree with and you. And like there. of
1: course, Donner was kind of inventing a genre that didn't exist and yeah. I think was, you know, even though comic books right around when Superman came out were starting to get darker and Gwen Stacy yeah. was a dying and but right. still like he's more tapped into like these are these are silly fun operatic, you know, right? Like that's that's what that's what the yeah. tone should be, right? This is Superman here. Well they don't uh, and I sing the Donner Superman. No, I don't get it. What do you mean? <sighs> That's an old well for men yeah, to return that's a classic. to. The opera malapropism? <laughs> the malapropra? <laughs> anyway. Um, so, yeah, so that's part of my vibe. But also, I mean, I really liked the um, interview she gave with The Times, which I was mm-hmm. talking to you about, yes. where she said she wanted to end a superhero movie. Where nobody dies and she wins with a conversation. She wanted yeah. to have um, this villain who's this, you know, obviously Trumpy 80s businessman. But also he's an immigrant who's pretending to, you know, imitate. He's imitating success that he's seen and he's frosting his hair. And he's trying to look like he's white. Yeah. Like, um, But beyond that, the thing you said about ideologically, like how the first Wonder Woman movie is very much like you say, like she is fighting War and she is fighting man's Yes Cynical nature right And she is an icon of uh, Goodness in that right yeah. This is the same you know it's it's the same thing It's just that rather than do a World War II movie which I imagine Plenty of people expected yes. uh, From her right um, She's like yeah I'll set it in, in this other time of great cynicism And I'm going To try and directly Say like this is the tidal wave that's crashing on our shores now like this is where it's building up like this is the this is the sort of sinful time like
0: this, yeah okay. these are all interesting ideas I love all this stuff I'm like for the first time in a while taking notes now because I have so many specific things to unpack that I want to make sure I don't forget them here's the thing I'll say fair enough. In that, I, th- I think it was in that New York Times interview she said that she like that people always criticize the ending of the first movie and it bums her out because she wasn't happy with the first movie either. And that was like the one big Uh thing that Warner brothers made her change that she didn't want it to be that much of a CGI fire and brimstone fight thing. But I I was like,
1: this thing can't lack that we're going to need a showdown. It it can't
0: end with a conversation. And she really wanted to, what I really like about the ending of the first wonder woman and why I've always defended it is I feel like she thinks, threaded the needle i feel like she did both at once if you look at that final sequence despite the fact that it's got dodgy cgi peter thewlis and all this right. molten David lava Thule, yeah. right right but but yeah. th- she's barely fighting him it is still fundamentally a conversation i think people just get so turned off by the fact that the visuals are aping what they've seen in eight thousand of these movies even though it dramatically what's happening textually is exactly what she was trying to do the, I just want
1: to say the entire problem, I think I assume for people, it's just the visuals and the weirdly sort of low stakes, which it's because yeah. it's crowbarred in. I would assume. And but yeah. like what I love is what you're talking about and the pine sacrifice stuff that is, I think, very effective and beautifully yeah. done, like, you know, uh, which is happening at the same time. OK,
0: so I, I'm going to try to organize my thoughts here. But here's let's let's talk about the pine thing right now. OK, because all right, all right. This movie was shot two and a half years ago, right? That's like another weird thing with this movie is that it was shot summer 2018. It was supposed to come out Christmas 2019. They pushed it back because they thought they would need more time for the effects. And then like November 2019, Patty Jenkins was kind of like, oh, we finished it early. I guess we could have released it Christmas. Too bad. Well, at least people get it in the summer. And then the world ended. So then it's this weird movie that's now been finished for so long that's sitting on a shelf that keeps on getting pushed back too much at a time yada 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 it's had a lot of time for people to think about it and build up expectations in their mind including like a trailer that played for so long that people were so fucking jazzed about right like right. i feel like overall Absolutely. people love that fucking trailer and like oh my god blue monday cover this it fucking rules but i i was thinking back to the moment when The sequel gets announced, the title gets announced, the supporting cast gets announced, the villains get announced. A lot of those details get announced. The Chris Pine thing did not get announced until the movie was filming because I specifically remember it was like Patty Jenkins tweeted a picture of him on set in the outfit mm-hmm. like with the fanny pack and said look who's back and the internet went like what wait he's back how are they handling this what is this what is this movie about and then there was so much time where that answer was not clear because the movie was sitting on a shelf right correct
1: they wanted to keep it a secret and then once you right. see the trailer it's not explicit but there is Maxwell Lord sort of going like, you can have whatever you want. And there's him kind of just appearing and you're like, "Okay, so it's not like I mean, he this is mystical. And this is this isn't like, I don't know, like a wormhole opening. And it's also
0: not like I'm his grandson or right, like whatever that would be. Now, here's my issue. I feel Mm. like the first Wonder Woman movie in a way that these films rarely do successfully set up and landed the execution of Steve Trevor kind of being her Uncle Ben. Mm-hmm. Right. Of that being, like, the really impactful That's, It's death. a formative...
1: Right, right. Yeah, and yeah, it yeah.
0: kind of, like, it guides her compass for the rest of her life as a superhero, as a human being. Well, she's not a human being, she's a god. But, like, I feel like, she's a god. you know, more so than, than uh, you know, most Spider-Man adaptations. Certainly more so than I think uh, Marvel ever handled the Bucky thing. I think that worked so well. And his sacrifice, as you said, was so meaningful that the moment... Mm. That picture went up and it was clear he was in the movie. I got really nervous, right? And I've remained excited mm-hmm. about this movie, but that was always the element that was really nerve-wracking to me. My hope was like, please tell me he's going to be like Gusto and Ratatouille. You get to have Pine be in the movie and get to have them have scenes together, but it's just a projection of her mind. I don't want him to be undead because I think his death being permanent is kind of important. And then right. I sit there watching this movie and every single scene that he was on screen I became more and more convinced of how disastrous bringing him back was but but wait but they did Gusto him that's what they do they don't
1: because that's what he is no he's well I disagree with you because his death is permanent he's a vision he's he's not real like he's she summons him out of her mind and then he goes away but but in
0: Ratatouille, you literally have, like... You are yeah, okay. having it's conversations with It's not exactly
1: yourself. Gusto, but I'm saying, like, <laughs> That's he's what I not want. undead. He's not back. He's not returned to the universe for good. He is this phantom because she has to get over him. Like, I don't know. Again, I'm defending this because I liked it and nobody else liked it. Like, so yeah. I can... Or not nobody, but lots of people didn't like it. But I found it to be this very powerful, be careful what you wish for fantasy of a person you lost. Like not like like I wasn't like crying tears but I'm like yeah man that's what I'd wish for I get it like and you know what it wouldn't work out and it's that that's what grief is and like if you're gonna make three movies which supposedly she will I get that as the second movie is that that's the temptation that's her Um, humanity you know like you know presenting itself in physical form like that's what she craves being human I think it's this great metaphor for like she wants to, you know, be a normal person, which is, to me, the classic superhero. It's the Superman thing, right? Like that, you know, the superhero dilemma. I wish I could be normal. Sure. And there he is. But it's not going to be normal. And he's, you know, he's dead. He blew up. He exploded.
0: Here's my hot pitch. Okay.
1: Yes. You said you had, you told me this, that you had yeah. one of your classic rewrites yeah. where you think it would, it, would, it would help the movie, like, overall.
0: And I, I ran I ran this by Ben as well, and was like workshopping it with uh, with him. Okay. Yes. I I think one of the main assets, like of the first wonder woman is that it is so focused in what it's saying right to a degree that some people could clown on it for being like oh it's sort of corny and simple but it's like she understands you've got to just have a really clean spine to these things you want the hero's mantra to be like a sentence you know you want that to be the thing that's guiding every one of their decisions and you understand the ideological battle that she's fighting and this movie i just feel like There's such an overabundance of ideas that it's very hard to keep track of what the actual thing going on with Diana internally is, which is a complaint I've seen from a lot of people is to a lot Mm. of... To a large degree, Diana feels kind of lost for a large chunk of this movie. Yes. She gets caught in weird like, narrative cul-de-sacs. She, right. she doesn't get a ton to do. I think part of that is sort of like the Batman Returns ambition of like, can mm-hmm. you have this sort of three-way narrative? Can you give the villains kind of complete arcs? I think both of the villain arcs work better than Diana's arc works in the movie. And like,
1: like you say, classic superhero. See- I mean. A dark knight yeah. has that problem right like so many do. Totally, totally Dark Knight has right. the exact same dilemma for it's hero he wants to be a regular person
0: right and i think with batman that's often a sequel thing because you do all the psychological heavy lifting in the first movie and in the second movie you're like right. i guess we've kind of solved this guy it has to be more <laughs> about I, I i have to stop you there i still don't know what's up with batman though did something happen to him like, oh,
1: David, is, was there like an issue early that made him into, you know, being a bat
0: guy? Like, was there something sad? David, you don't have to David. answer this now, but I, oh, yeah, what's up? I No, I can't answer it now because you're going to be so <laughs> Too sad. devastated. You won't be able to record the rest of this episode. You're going mean, to be shocked I, I, when you hear what happened. I, I can't
1: imagine. I wouldn't be devastated at all unless, of course, it involved, you know, uh, maybe a Zorro movie or something. But apart oh, from David. that, like, there's really David. I don't have a lot of emotional buttons that can be pressed. David, but David. Anyway, Pearls, it, it might, Pearls get it to me. Might,
0: oh, David. I don't even know how to tell you this. Not only might it involve a Zora movie, but in certain interpretations, it involves an ironic use of bats through art. I don't even know how to. Oh, David. God, this sounds so sad. It sounds yes, it like can. something
1: that you should definitely just portray every five years it's on gonna, screen. It's good. Wait wait, 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 Okay, but okay. My point You're is, building my point to is, your big is, fix. I'm yeah, sorry. So
0: Batman, as a, as a certain degree, once you've set up the foundation, in your first movie, he he doesn't become a cipher, but he sort of becomes like a detective in a procedural, right? Like the movie is just watching yeah. high functioning Batman solve. It's the a thing. lot of
1: what? What do you think,
0: Batman? He's like, well, we should do this. It's like, all right, well, you know, he's here. Right. Whereas one. Wonder Woman and Superman are characters who are so elemental and are so, like, godlike that they need yeah. to represent shit, right? Like, that right. that right. that has to be the thing of, like, what's the morality of them and all this sort of shit. And this movie, I think it's, like, you can, at the end of it, parse, like, oh, I guess these were all the different things they were trying to say. But, like, when she gives her big impassioned speech at the end of the movie and she tells everyone you have to renounce your wishes, it feels oh, yeah. like... An odd sort of thing to frame because we've only focused on the negative wishes and she's telling everyone, like, you can't get what you want, which is a weird thing coming from someone who pretty much has all the power in the world, isn't vulnerable and all this sort of shit. No, but she doesn't
1: because she wants to be a regular person with a nice guy on a ranch and let's be honest I'll say it Chris Pint quite handsome she'd like to to look on that face every once in a while but you know what she can't have it instead she has to be an icy museum employee who also occasionally maybe fights crime is in malls who knows well this is another fundamental problem with the movie for me this is the bigger problem perhaps an unavoidable problem because of the whole extended universe I'm assuming I'm assuming what you're gonna say I, I, yes
0: First of all, you realize, oh, there's a very good reason why no one has ever made a sequel with the same lead character set 70 years after the first movie. <laughs> because it is just such a gulf to gap in your mind of like, what has happened What's to this been character? Doing? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Right. And especially when, because as as I think we're both in agreement on when you're kind of fucked by the bricks laid out by the extended universe, you have Batman versus Superman, which I know Patty Jenkins to some degree is in a bubble and ignores a lot of the Snyder brick laying. But also she's a little reined in. You have that movie where Diana, it's so hard for Batman to find the world's greatest detective to find one picture of her because she's been laying so low for the better part of a century. That yes. you now are stuck making these sequels, where the great thing is they're free because they're prequels; they're set before. You don't have to touch these movies. This, the bad thing is Wonder Woman can have so little impact on the world at large.
1: She's a DC hero who has to basically be like a famous blur. Like she can't right. even be Wonder Woman. She, she's
0: like a, a used car salesman doing local TV I mean, commercials. Yeah. This this is the whole thing though with the
1: extended universe with everything about their approach. Everyone mocks the sort of sameness of the MCU and the dictatorial status of Kevin Feige. But he's the one who's going to be like, well, if you do that, you're going to have this problem 10 years from now. And no one, no one in fucking Batman land is like, well, wait, what's Wonder Woman been doing for a hundred years? If we're saying that she was in world war one. It's like, oh, I don't know, like, n- just clearly, everyone's like, ah, whatever. She was doing something. Who cares? Like, well, I guess. And, like Now you just have this problem where you like. So she was really on board with stopping World War One right at the end of World War One, and then she yeah. what? Like, got really she into ate preservation dinner by herself all the time. <laughs> <laughs> ate dinner with the rudest ass waiter who's like, "Are you alone?" <laughs> and she's like, "Yeah, I'm alone." And he's like, "I guess I'll clear your plate away." The noisily. Fucking! I'll pick up every plate and bash it together just to make it clear. I'm
0: clearing plates. Sorry. I don't think and to some degree, this is bumping up against perhaps the limitations of Gal Gadot as an actress who I think is very sure. effective when used properly. I don't think the movie accurately conveys the weight of that existential loneliness. <laughs> Yeah, it ju- look, it just feels like it, oh she's having saying. a bad month, right? Like that's the problem. All that stuff is framed. Like I don't <laughs> she, know if this. She's mo- not
1: great at ennui we right, Cado. right? You know, and like, I, that's just really not her. Again. And
0: I don't know if this movie needs some fucking like up married life sequence where you like do a montage mm. of seventy years of her watching everyone she loves dies. Like there's the right. only moment where you get like a, a glint of it kind of working, and it's so quick. Is the photo of her with old Kin on the nightstand and i'm like i need more of that i need more of the fill-in of her living what must be like a fucking cullen family vampire life where every 10 years people realize she's not aging she picks up she abandons everything and starts fresh like i need that that, emotional weight it's a good pitch
1: and honestly i they should have done it and i have no idea if this was a problem but again That kind of sounds like Captain America, like it, yeah, which of course, you can repeat it, like it's fine, yes. but like it is crazy where I'm like, is there a certain point, Warner Brothers, when you're announcing you're gonna do six of these a year, that you might want to start thinking about the fact that a lot of comic book stories have been put on screen at this point, like right. there might not be too many new angles here but- outside of the Marvel thing of we've got this world that you love. And we're going to bounce new characters off each other. We're going to bring someone in who kind of, you know, like, you know, they mm-hmm. they because they have the world. But DC yeah. doesn't have the world. They've kind of avoided the world, which is fine. You know, yeah. like that's that's an approach. But anyway, that's a, that's a
0: large. yeah. And if anything, DC's largest issue is that they are not wholly embracing l- treat everything as a standalone, make it a fucking multiverse, make it whatever. It feels like they're doing it in some ways, but in other ways it gets really fuzzy. Yes. Um, um, but, yes. but this is, but this your is big my big pitch. So this is my big pitch. All that was important set up for what I think emotionally doesn't work in the movie and, and what I think actually would, 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 execute yes. the the intent of the film better. So much of it, as you said, is also like, oh, here's the 80s, like, you know, the, this this fulcrum point in American culture where things went from being bad to horrific. And we're still feeling like, you know, the ripple effects of uh, today. Not I, I make it very clear, I'm not saying that things weren't horrific before the 80s, but but so many of our specific modern cultural issues start From Reagan-era America, right? Sure. Uh, And this sort of dramatic reformation, the me me obsession, all this sort of shit, right? Mm -hmm. That she's Mm -hmm. trying to do with this, uh, you know, very sort of broad perception of what the '80s represented. Uh, but so much of the movie, as you said, should be this kind of thing of like Diana just being done, just being dead inside, not knowing what to right. do and also questioning, like, how fucked is humanity innately, right? Like, is there a thing worth saving here? In World War One, it's literally the idea of a war. In World in, in War I, 1984, I am completely on board with it being people making shitty wishes and, like, attacking each other in the streets and it not needing to be something that literal, right? Right. It does feel like if the movie is going to be about her making a selfish monkey paw wish at the expense of humanity because she feels like she needs something for herself. And especially with the way this movie starts, it feels like what organically the story should be is her wishing to bring mascara back. Okay, like bring the whole thing back? Yeah, because you have this gift in the universe, which is the island was destroyed. Everyone she grew up with was destroyed. Her family was destroyed. She's from this idyllic place. And then she came to the land of man and tried to fight against the innate shittiness of our species, right? And by the end of Wonder Woman 1, she kind of wins. But if you're making the movie that's 70 years later and she's beaten down and she's miserable, and especially when the movie starts with like... Oh, here she was in the competition. There were morals here. There were rules here. There were lessons sure. here. There was a structure here that worked. It feels like the movie should be like, I regret ever coming to the world. I regret ever coming to the mainland. I should have stayed on Themascara. I miss my mother. I miss everybody. I want to go back there. Feel like shit. Just want to go back there. And the movie is her abandoning humanity Wait, in order to go back to question. her world and give up on it.
1: Yeah. When did Themyscira get blown up? Did I, 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 I literally
0: forgot that. It, when, when did that happen? Okay, so I was trying to pinpoint when it happened, and I also can't remember if it happens in Justice League or it happens in Wonder Woman, but it definitely happens. It, it, it doesn't happen in Wonder Woman.
1: There's, there's no way. I, I don't remember Justice League at all, apart from that Steppenwolf is in, I don't know, like... The mascara at some point getting a box. I remember that he gets a box, but it definitely in Wonder Woman, she just leaves the mascara. It's not blown up.
0: Her uh, oh, Robin Wright the...
1: dies, doesn't she? Right, or Robin someone Wright dies. dies. Uh... Am I re-
0: is it is it that they tell her that she can't go back if she leaves? Am I misremembering? Is that uh... what it is? I just I should I should have rewatched the first one, but I just distinctly remembered there is like a rule set up in that movie about why she's never going to be able to see her mother again.
1: That, that's the thing I don't remember. Right. And it's been a while since I thought uh, this, since I saw the first one, but right. Like that, I was wondering at watching 84 where I'm like, um, yeah, is she not allowed to go back? I forgot what the rules are. Like, right. like what, what are the rules of her leaving? She clearly a, has not gone back.
0: Right. And there's a reason why the is only a flashback in uh, right. justice league as well. Wait, though, I, yes. I, I feel like I'm sorry. I Once again, it's like Wonder Woman, I haven't rewatched. I should have done for this episode. Justice League, I will probably never rewatch again in that cut. I swear well, to you. We're going to fe- watch a different cut. I feel like there's a we, we will unfortunately be watching the Snyder Cut. We have to. We have no choice. We are legally beholden. But uh, I feel like there's a scene in Justice League, and I'm sure people are fucking yelling at the podcast right now, in which you see Connie Nielsen like. A, 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 mounting the army to fight against Steppenwolf And he comes in and fucking slays everybody No, he doesn't kill
1: everybody I, I think you're, uh, you're transposing something here He doesn't He gets the mother box But then he leaves Because he's always fucking leaving That's Steppenwolf's whole thing He loves, he loves to later. leave yeah. Gets the box and gets out of there He does it and Aquaville, Atlantis. Uh, but he does it in Themyscira. But no, he doesn't kill. And, and let me make the, something people clear. would have
0: lost their damn minds if
1: he killed all the fucking uh, I think he did. Amazons. I mean,
0: I might be misremembering something, but I want to make something incredibly clear. Yes, I I hate to see Steppenwolf leave, but I love to watch <laughs> him go. He thick. He's thick.
1: Space elevator.
0: He's actually he in it.
1: Thick. He's going to look different in. The Snyder cut, right? Yeah, he's now it's gonna, gonna be shinier or something, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Look, excited for that. Excited for that movie to come out and fucking blow. I, I, this is my throwing my marker down. I'm like, that thing's gonna stink. This is getting weird. Everyone's like excited for it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think, I don't think it's gonna be good. That guy is not my, my tempo, but I am excited sure. to watch it. I, it's just, no, such me a too. Very excited. Why not? It's
2: gonna be four hours long, right? Is that true? Yeah, it's, it's yes, four one-hour
0: episodes. It's being treated like Roots, the miniseries. Uh, <laughs> my my point is, I've clearly fucked this up, and I can't remember the details, but I still mm. think, I just remember that conclusively there is some reason why the door is closed to her, and yes. I feel like the movie would work if it was about her choosing mascara over the yes. world of man, rather than it being, I want to spend more time with my dead boyfriend of one week from 70 years ago.
1: Your, your point is well taken. I, I think the The lure of Themyscira and her sisterhood and her you know yeah. people is not addressed in this movie at all, and I no. don't really know why. There's the the the, the sort of opening sequence because Patty Jenkins said like we needed to see it, yeah. Um, you know, especially because some people maybe haven't even seen Wonder Woman one. You need at least some uh, reminder that this is where she's from. But there, that's that sequence is very much a kind of like. You need to be selfless. Like, it's, it's a moral yeah. lesson that she's learning, not any uh, wider universe
0: shit. But that's the weird um, thing for me, I just in terms wait. of, like, what is the story trying to be? It does feel like this is a movie about her becoming increasingly disenfranchised with the modern world and her isolation and loneliness within it. It just feels like the movie wants to be about her missing home more than it's about i can't meet a guy and i know that's reductive for me to frame it that way but i feel like the way the movie presents it ends up feeling a little bit well reductive i think that the the reductiveness right is like where you're like you're saying the scenes
1: where it's like oh you're alone you're walking home alone like a lot of that stuff but you know the movie is there's the loving pans over the, you know, the the pictures at the ranch and the watch and all that stuff. You know, yeah. like I, I see it more. And people were like, why isn't she over? I'm like, she's an immortal fucking person. Like 70 years is like, you know, 15 minutes. Also, her. she's still sad uh, yeah, about yeah, yeah. it. To give
0: her credit, I, I would never get over Chris Pine.
1: Neither would I, especially not Chris Pine in Wonder Woman. That is like primo cutie Chris Pine. That's like Chris Pine with all the dials to 10.
0: Like, yes. very, very charming. Look, visually, I agree with you 100 percent. But when he reenters this movie and I realize how they're setting him up and I got that on an easy pit in my stomach, I went, well, but their chemistry is going to be so good. Uh, it will mm. waylay my fears. And okay, I so don't this I will allow. they don't yeah. have the same energy they have in the first movie. And I think a lot of that is just <laughs> script issues. I'm not blaming either of them as performers. That's so much of what makes the first movie work is just that shit you can't bottle and you can't fucking pay for of just like their back and forth actually just crackles for me, in my opinion. And in this movie, it feels a little more boilerplate of just like, yeah, this feels like what most love interest uh, dynamic scenes are like in these movies.
1: I think you are right. I, I mean, I think they're, they're perfectly cute and he's got some fun scenes or they're whatever. Cute. But they they're cute. they fine. They don't have crackling chemistry, partly because there's just the weird kind of like, what is this? Like, you know, chunk of them reuniting. And then he becomes like helper boy. And the whole audience knows he can't stick around. Like, that's been set up pretty much for minute one anyway. And also, it's just hard to do a meet cute twice. Like, so I I, I don't mind his thematic purpose. I'm more defensive about that. But I can't. Disagree that, yeah, you know, they're not as fun to. I mean, I don't think Godot is utterly lost in this movie. Like, I think she does a good job with the big final, you know, uh, speech. Like, there are moments where I'm into her. She's also just a very striking movie star type figure. Like, she's, you know, even though maybe. Limited as an actress, like
0: just look, you know, I, you know my whole take. she's, she's like the kind female of John Wayne. It's that same thing where it's like right. she's got this limited strike zone, but within it, she's so fucking effective on screen. Um, and uh, you know, so that's what, but like you
1: know, there are moments where it, I don't know, she feels a little lost, like you say, or just yeah. unable to play whatever on we she's supposed to be playing and. That sort of translates as bored or just detached. I guess the character is detached, but like, you know,
0: at a certain point, how compelling is that? It was such an asset for the first movie, the sort of like single minded focus of Wonder Woman. It plays to. Godot's strengths as an actress of just being in the moment, right? And being sort of objective based rather than having to play introspection, right? And and inner yep. sort of struggle and whatever. Uh, cause it's just that movie is like, you know, oh, I need to find Ari's, or I wanna eat this ice cream right now. Like everything is so Great experiential ice for cream her. Scene. Right. And it's like yes. those are both ends of the spectrum, whether it's like the big stakes of the movie or the little character moments, there's so much about her living in that moment. And I I think Yes, it it is not perhaps the best thing to put this character through or the best thing to ask this actor to do.
1: The fish out of water stuff, also cliched, but just a cliche that works and that she leans into because Gal Gadot is kind of otherworldly. She's just like, again, very striking, very beautiful, very put together. So she does kind of seem like a bit of an alien walking through these you know new places yeah. and so that's fun and sh- they I don't know everything is they use all that really well
0: one well, that's an inescapable issue of well you can't replicate that now like you know you can can't do replicate it two scenes of chris pine not understanding how 80s clothes works but it's not the same yes. thing right it's funny because i'm thinking about marvel and like i compare these movies to marvel
1: because that's what Warner you brothers gotta. has in its head i yeah. you know not that not that i think perry jenkins has that it in, his, in her head but uh no. as much it's funny how Marvel also initially sort of struggled with the sequels. Iron Man Two is bad. Yeah. You know the Thor
0: sequel. Yeah. People are wrong about there's, the Dark World.
1: Yeah. Um. Exactly. Um. Uh, there's another obvious one that I'm forgetting. Griffin, help me out. Uh, uh, sort of slightly disappointing second movies. Maybe not. Um, yeah. Because like Winter Soldier is kind of where it starts to turn yeah, around. Yeah. People and I love feel that like, movie. Yeah. They do, but then beyond, like beyond, you know, it's like I just after that, I feel like then they kind of crack the second movie, and yeah. again, everything in marvel Marvel, Marmula, everything in Marvel is formula to some extent. Right. That's why I said Marmula. But like, you know what? Like Guardians, two, Ant Man and the Wasp. These movies are just like good. Oh, Avengers: Age of Ultron is the other. Oh, disappointing yes, yeah, of course, movie. of course, of course. Um, yes. you know, broadly seen as. Yeah. Um, but uh, right, like it's just like yeah, just plus you know, more of what people liked, right? similar stakes, like, you know, and then some nice university table
0: setting stuff, you know, like that. They just sort of figured that formula out. And it's a tough formula. And to be very clear, when, when you read interviews with like Chloe Zhao talking about working on The Eternals, who fucking knows, but it does sound like perhaps- she has been able to make a movie that's a little bit different. Very excited. When we talked to uh, Nia DaCosta off mic, the things she told us about working with Marvel were very exciting, like genuinely exciting. And it sounds like they really are hiring her for the right reason and and bringing her in to do the right sort of shit. If there was ever a time where Marvel was going to enter a period of a little more uh, experimentation with the flexibility of their world, it would certainly feel like it would be now post End game where they don't really have anything to prove, right? Right. That's the part
1: of it. They can try. They can be weird. Right. Right, That's whatever, the hope.
0: Whatever. That's the hope. Excited by, hope. you know, some of their hires and some of the choices and all that sort of stuff. I genuinely optimistic. Want to see it happen because I want to see uh, that level of uh, flexibility within the genre. The the problem yes. that plagues Marvel so often is the the fast food thing where it's like they got the quality control down. It's going to taste the same wherever you go. It's never going to be awful. It might be better, but it's never going to be Uh, you know, a five-star restaurant or whatever, right? Even though obviously there are movies in that franchise that we love and movies that taste very much like uh, a mediocre burger. Um... I, right. I I will always prefer watching a movie like this where it's like she's making unsafe choices, even if those choices are ultimately yeah. proven to be unsafe because uh, that's not how a story works. You shouldn't do that. It will lose the audience. I like that sense of just like, let's let's fuck with this. Right. And And you talk about the tonal thing. I go into this. I watch this movie and. I know that you liked it and you're curious to hear what I think. Right. Mm -hmm. Then the public opinion comes out and people are vicious about it. I prioritize watching Soul. I don't see Wonder Woman until the 26th. So I've seen a day of like the fucking echo chamber before I watch this movie. And I'm very much like, I really want to like this. And also on paper, everything that I see people complaining about sounds like the kind of shit I usually defend. This sounds like some fucking Angley Hulk weirdness or whatever. Right. Not that they're the same movie, but the same sort of like uh, a flagrant disregard of commercial expectations for how these movies should operate um right the opening I'm so fucking on board I'm not even talking about the Themyscira Love thing the opening. But, but the like the mall I was just like this is the exact movie I'm ready to defend to the end of the earth is her doing like you were saying it's a Donner thing but I even feel like it's even more like a, a Richard Fleischer Superman Less- thing Le- you mean Lester, right? Yes, yes, yes. I think, yes, I think yes, I'm there's sorry. that.
1: Yes, there's, there's fully the that thing. element yeah. too. I mean, I didn't want to say to anyone like, kind of get ready for almost a Superman three vibe, partly because right. Superman three also has magic rocks. Um, but like, yeah, a little bit of that, right? You know, and
0: hiring a comedian to be the villain and like all this sort yeah. of shit. Yeah, and definitely. and for me, I'm just like, I like the audacity of like the movie starts and everything about what she's doing. It it feels to me. Totally in control of its tone, that whole mall opening. I'd say even maybe yes, like the first good like, tw- 25 minutes in general. Right. You can dislike that tone, but like you look at cues like you have Hans Zimmer doing a score that sounds far closer to as good as it gets than the first Wonder Woman, right? I love this score. It's not unintentional. It's not like she's lost control of the wheel. She's decided, I think this movie should be... A goofy comedy, right? I think this movie should have the vibe of a Police Academy sequel. I am so on board with that, partially because I think these movies are now increasingly plagued with a sense of self-seriousness that is uh, uh, exhausting. Um, You also just look at like the the extras, the background actors in the mall. And it's just like everyone's on the exact same pitch. Tonally, the movie is a complete, perfect conversation with itself. Whether or not you like that tone, she's not fucking up. She's doing what she's trying to do. I agree. And it's like yeah, it's like
1: commando or whatever. Everyone's like yeah. wearing the right clothes. Every, right. you know, there's just like uh just it's it's also just like Cutesy and low stakes Which I yes. like It's Same. like a bunch of goofs are robbing a store And oh. it goes Like you know And they're
0: right. idiots But right. she's just, essentially Gonna clonk their heads together Great right. Cool Just just not enough Of like stopping a guy Wearing like a mask Holding a bag With a dollar sign on it And like saving a kid <laughs> exactly. From getting shot Like all these movies Should have these scenes Right It's like these things Where we're getting yes. away From what these characters Are supposed to represent And I don't mean like Based on the fucking Material but I mean, like, culturally, why we even care about telling these stories. It, I will say, though, like, you know, Justice League has that
1: sequence that feels very smushed in where yeah. she rescues people at a museum or whatever, you know, and she, like, yes. does all the Wonder Woman things. Yeah. And it feels... Lazy and undercooked because it kind of feels like Zack Snyder is not that interested in it. He's like, she'll she'll do a thing. He's got a very cynical take on
0: superheroes. I mean, that's the weird thing with Zack Snyder with like how much people read the Randy and stuff into his work. He also makes these superhero movies that are all about like superheroes are like these fucked up fascistic nightmares and we shouldn't trust them. Uh, So that stuff always plays insincere with him. Whereas you watch Patty Jenkins do this mall sequence and you're like, she believes in this. You can think it's corny, but she believes in this and it's something that she actually finds fun. Right. Okay. so you like that. Yes. But then I I love the early development of Barbara. I like having Wig, you know, I think there was that question. Doing Jim
1: Carrey from Batman Forever, yes. down to like frizzy hair, yeah. glasses. Yes. Like, oh, well, I don't know.
0: I guess I'm kind of, huh, I'm nervous over here. I mean, there's the meme that's been circulating of like pre conversion, Edward Nigma, pre conversion, pre electrification, Jamie Foxx and Amazing Spider-Man two. Like there's yes, like, right, the grid that's, of that's five the one. of right, them yes. that all right, have right, like the right. same glasses, Guy Pierce and Iron Man Three. Yes, like, yes. Right. That's true. They're all styled so similarly. But guess what? I think that trope is potent. It pretty much always works for me. I also find it especially potent when you hire someone who's a comedian and they can play up the comedy of that rather than playing it too but, fucking heavy. But people
1: hate this. I feel This I'm is another thing that people don't like, right? They, it's I, too goofy or too silly. I, I
0: don't know. I like it. I know a lot of people don't like it because they feel like that's not who Barbara was in the comics. I am admittedly someone who like doesn't read Wonder Woman at all, is not very invested in the history of the character, cannot speak to that at all. I'm just thinking on the level of how it works within this movie. And I feel like right. when Wig was announced and people were like, how is Wig going to fit into the tone of a serious comic book movie, I was excited when I realized, no, the challenge of this movie is, can Wonder Woman fit into the tone of a Kristen Wiig movie? That was exciting. That moment where I had that breakthrough. I think she's genuinely funny, especially in the early sections of the movie. Can we do just like... Uh, yeah. Like a two-minute sidebar on how weird Wiig's career is if you look at her ten years as a movie star?
1: It's it's a weird career because I feel like she just mostly rejected the path yes. she could have taken, but then there are the occasional moments, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like where she she's like, okay, fine, I'll do a blockbuster, and it rarely works. Yeah. All right, so, all right, let me take, let's do two minutes, two minutes.
0: Right, so obviously... Big SNL star. She has two scenes in Knocked Up that hit so hard that Judd Apatow goes, "Write whatever script you want." I think you're clearly a movie star. She spends five years writing this screenplay. Not uh, uh, Bridesmaids comes out in 2011. Is that correct? 2011. 2011. Insane in right, yes. that it's almost ten years ago now. Uh, and I know. is is this seismic cultural thing? And it feels like okay, she's got the keys to the kingdom.
1: Yeah, and like just to, it is also just though that crazy cottage industry of supporting roles for SNL players, especially that yeah. really dynamite cast, you know, Samberg hater, yeah. you know, all those folks. Like so it, like Knocked Up is essentially her first movie. She's in yeah. unaccompanied minors before then with you know right. Feek. Um but that's a tiny role But and if, and she is really funny in it. Uh like I'm just gonna read you everything before Bridesmaids. Yeah, please. It's Meet a weird Bill, list. The brothers Solomon, Walk Hard, Semi Pro. Some of these are one-scene roles. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. She's a yoga instructor. Something called Pretty Bird. Ghost Town. She's a surgeon in that. Mm -hmm. Adventureland, which she's really good in. Uh, Ice Age Dawn of the Dinosaurs. Apparently, she's a beaver. I had no idea. Absolutely. Um, Whippet. Key supporting role. Really good. Like a lot of Uh, really good supporting roles
0: here. And then a lot of movies that don't exist. Right.
1: Extract, which doesn't exist, but I remember kind of enjoying How Mm -hmm. to Train Your Dragon, which she's in all of those. Date Night, MacGruber, Despicable Me. She's in all of those, I think. Or, yes. Yeah, she's yes. in all of them. Um, all Good Things, the long, you know, the Ryan Gosling uh, Andrew uh, Jarecki movie.
0: Uh, uh, the Fred Durst movie. Uh, uh, Fred, Fred, yeah, yeah, Bur- Fred Durst, what am saying? Robert Durst. Robert Durst. Robert Durst, yeah. <laughs> Robert Durst. Yeah. whatever his name
1: is. Uh, Paul, and then Bridesmaids.
0: So like, I do. Just I like do want to say movies a year. Yeah. Also, uh, Jarecki should do a five-part HBO miniseries investigating Fred Durst. I just want to say that. But yes, he she was doing do so many movies. They were mostly small parts. They were a lot of her working with her same collaborators. And then bridesmaids. It's like you're a movie star you played like a realistic human character because a lot of those movies are obviously a lot broader or her playing more like extreme character types. But she was like a sympathetic lead. She was a romantic lead. She drove the movie. She's got good dramatic scenes. She's got great comedic scenes. She wrote the movie. She gets an Oscar nomination. Kristen Wiig's gonna do whatever the fuck she wants And then she seemingly starts turning most big things down Melissa McCarthy yeah. takes the movie star gauntlet as like I'm ready to run with this I'm ready to make yeah. my own cottage industry Of what a Melissa McCarthy movie is And Kristen Wiig it feels like completely Rejects the temptation to define the Kristen Wiig vehicle
1: 100% she does a Jennifer
0: Westfeld movie she does movies that truly. She becomes really like a a Sundance star. Hate ship, love ship, girl most likely to like all these Sundance movies that don't that really make a mark. Yeah, don't make a mark at all.
1: In 2014,
0: she has the
1: and Wel- skeleton twins and welcome to me. Neither of which, in my opinion, are good. But yeah. neither of which are bad. Bad. They're both no worthy and interesting Sundance movies also that don't hit. M-
0: much always good like I I even Windows those movies good. that miss I question why she takes on certain projects but I rarely question her acting choices
1: yeah I agree with that the only thing I question is that she just does not want to play sympathetic characters she's playing usually really yeah. tough brittle interesting right. naughty like mean people like she which is like in Bridesmaids obviously she's playing a fuck up but she is you, you know
0: you're with her If you had to deny what what the wig movie star persona is, right, or at least what it seemed to present itself to be before she sort of like backed away from it. It is, you know, like incredibly fragile, insecure person spiraling deeper and deeper into trouble, trying to cover up and project a sense of confidence. Right. Absolutely. And it's like
1: sometimes it's really interesting.
0: She she essentially does that in a big budget film. Or, or rather, let's say, uh, a mainstream film three times over the course of a decade. She does it in Bridesmaids. She does it in Ghostbusters. And she does it in Wonder yep. Woman 1984. Yeah. When she does a big movie in the other years outside of this, it's usually weird supporting parts where she's playing weird right. character things like Zoolander she, 2 or Anchorman 2 or fucking Walter Mitty. Well, Walter she's Mitty, not funny. she's the...
1: the- She's the girl he wants to be with, I'm assuming. Right. Yes, like right. He, and she's has the, the object all, of affection.
0: Almost no comedy to play. She's not bad in it, but it's right. it's her playing an entirely normal, straight level person.
1: I I think she's very good in The Diary of a Teenage Girl, which Agreed. is a real I, role that she
0: sells really well. A Griffey nomination for me. She's great in that mm-hmm. movie.
1: I think she's, you know, uh, in The Martian, which everyone is in. She's definitely and, in that. And, you know, it does what she's supposed to do. And everyone in that movie is a total pro yeah who's doing like a good job but like you know not a not a killer stuff she's in that thing masterminds that like came out five years after they shot it she's right. in downsizing which she's funny in but like yeah. it's tiny part you know, 15 minutes right she's in mother which she kind of rules in yeah you know, she absolutely whips
0: growth in that movie yeah um
1: she i she's like the weird neighbor and where'd you go bernadette like yeah. it's like that like that's the kind of role where i'm like there is no way you need to be doing. Like, no,
0: and one of those like, things where maybe it's you like, just
1: wanted to work with Kate Blanchett or Richard Linklater. I get it, but like this is you're playing an annoying neighbor. You could have played that 20 years
0: ago, practically. I know. The other thing that's so bizarre about it is you go like even if you didn't want to be a, like, mainstream comedy star, you should be finding your own Where Did You Go, Bernadette, where you play Bernadette. Right. Like, you could absolutely be doing, like, a dramedy of that size with a good director based on a best-selling book where you're the lead. It's odd. You know. I To some degree, yeah. I respect, like, her seemingly just being like, sure, I'd love to work with Richard Linklater. I don't care. I don't have any ego.
1: Right. Which I think she doesn't, and that's... Just fine, but, but look, but, she's got this movie coming up next year called Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar.
0: Which I'm excited for. It's her and Momolo writing together for the first time since Bridesmaids and seemingly her first time trying to create a real comedy around herself since Correct.
1: Bridesmaids. Correct, and starring together. Mumolo's yeah. in it. Yes. Um, as well. That's her writing partner, as you say. Like, um, So, you know, Cool. Cool. That's and great. For that. Like, and I'm into I, that. You
0: know, and I will forever contend that she's great in Ghostbusters, which obviously somehow became the single most loaded movie of all time. But that felt no, like her- this one is
1: this one is it now. This one's taking the reins. Last I'm Jedi joking.
0: took it from Ghostbusters right. and yeah, then now right. Wonder Woman took it from. Uh, Everyone's going to fucking yell at me.
1: Ugh, whatever. Whatever. I liked it. Um, but wig it's a weird career you seem to
0: like her performance in this i think she's fine i think she's fun um i I like her a lot i I like the vibes she too gets a little lost when the movie asks her to suddenly just become the terminator yeah exactly But I I think she does everything she has to do really well and it was just exciting for me the first third of the movie watching her be this kind of funny in a movie again because it happens so rarely. I would genuinely like found her performance very funny. I also – uh, like the way the cheetah looks at the end of the movie, I'm totally in favor of that. I think that final battle is completely lackluster and stupid. I think that's an issue this movie has overall. Uh, the thing I I value so much about the first Wonder Woman is like the action sequences are so clean and have such good character story beats. And in this, it absolutely feels like sort of second unit, generic, just like closet explosions. Especially,
1: shit. especially that one. That, that one is the, the, yeah. the two sequences that really just kind of. Of have nothing. Yeah. uh, Are that one, the the cheetah fight, which is like happening at night. There's not a lot of stakes because it's kind of obvious Wonder Woman is going to beat the
0: shit out of her. Like, there's not really a sense of danger. It's also one of those weird things where, like, the cheetah makeup is almost entirely practical and yet it looks like it's bad CGI because there's so much bad CGI going on around it.
1: Right. Because the way she moves is not practical. Um, But,
0: uh, and then also that the car chase
1: thing in the middle it's not like it's like i think it's hard i think but it's, it's very really boring. boring like i also think I, I couldn't tell you anything
0: we obviously uh, uh, don't want to dig into this too deeply but it just feels like such a colossal misjudgment to send gal gadot to the middle east in a sequence i, I agree i i was annoyed about that just in general and, and in general, the treatment of the Middle East in this movie is like so that's, fucking that's hot shots like, part, duh. It, like, right. That's
1: the thing. I sort of was like, oh, are they trying to do more 80s movie thing? Like, like, uh, like fucking Commando, like any, like, yeah. you know, Schwarzenegger movie of that era where like half the time it's it's either a Latin American bad guy or a Middle Eastern bad guy, you know. Right. And, like, and this movie does like, both. Yeah. But like, you know, come on. Dodge that shit. Who? Come on. I don't know. I I guess there's this this oil subplot that that, that's how they get drawn. But like,
0: I just feel like there's other ways to do this. It's just like none of that should be in the movie for 5,000 reasons. It's also just like, I don't want her... I don't need this character in this movie franchise as been set up to be tied to actually complicated, heavy issues. World War One is so long ago and so cut and dry in terms of who the good guys and the bad guys were. Sure. And also right. that whole movie is operating more as a genre riff on war movies rather than dealing with war in a realistic bent. I, I had the exact same thought as you where I was like, this movie is so into being a riff on 80s comedies down to questionable geopolitical aspects and weird sexual politics like it feels like it's an 80s comedy down to all the weird problematic (laughs) blind spots that 80s comedies have if you rewatch them now and i can't tell if that was Uh, intentional or just was like i we don't give a shit the movie's not about that we're not going to dig into it
2: it's but then the reagan stuff the cold
0: war stuff yeah she's now said it's pointedly not supposed to be reagan but it's i was gonna say
1: yeah. It's not Reagan, but I I guess I was like, right I was like this this isn't Reagan. This is I guess just the president. Yeah. Like how which is what comic book movies always used to do always. like X-Men yes. there's always just some white guy with glasses. It's always yeah. just like, well, I'm the president of course, you know, and like um, but, right, of but course, everyone's, it, he looks
0: enough like Reagan, that's I guess, the problem. that people it's, are it's, like, oh, it must be
1: Reagan. He's not, he it, doesn't sound like him, no. but he, look, he's got a haircut, you know. like
0: It's sort of emblematic of the problem with this movie overall for me, where it's just like, it's hard to parse what your intent was here. Because you look at the guy and you're like, well, this is either the worst Reagan impression or you're trying to not have it be Reagan. But if that's the case, then get someone to look even less like Reagan than you did, you know? Right. Um, he, he's just close, close enough that. that it's confusing, but also far he enough is, away that it's confusing. But, I mean,
1: he's not Reagan. He's eighties president. I yes. guess that's the defense, right? Like, and it's like eighties president, you know, is going to have a Reagan vibe, but he's eighties yeah. president, president. Yes. Um, yeah. So look, the villain of this movie, who we haven't talked about, we, you know, we don't, we're not going through the plot like we, you know, we, we, we do not need to. We we've covered lots of things that are important, yeah. but we haven't talked about Maxwell Lord. Um, much and he is the driver of the thing along with the fucking rock so yeah. Pedro Pascal Griffin is who Maximal rolls Lord.
0: I mean like, I really enjoy him I just I love him so much I, I'm I'm only gaining respect for him every single new project i see him do he's kind of my favorite sort of actor where he's like sort of almost backwards stepped into being a star but it seems to just be completely selfless as a performer where it's just like what do you need me to do for this i don't care what size the role is what What the energy is i'm gonna match whatever this project needs me to be he can do fucking anything he fits into anything in any size
1: that's the thing. I you know and you know what I haven't seen yet is The Equalizer 2, a movie I've been meaning to watch, which yeah. he is the second, I think he's the villain. Okay. I can't remember. Um but he's like the second lead, his second build or whatever. But yeah. when you think of Pascal, right? You think of like look, no one talks about this movie, but he's kind of fun in The Great Wall. Like yeah. being the silly <laughs> yes. European, you know, guy. Yeah. Um he's in a brief scene in if Beale Street could talk, uncredited, so I believe. Fucking, that he's terrific. Good. Him, right? Um, he's in Triple Frontier as like the fifth guy, like yeah. not one of the top three. It's Affleck, Isaac, Hanem are kind of the biggest three, yeah. and then like Headland and Pascal are kind of the like all their guys who are like. Ugh. And he's like shaggy and weird. He has kind of messy hair and a mustache, and like
0: like you'd say serving the movie like not right. trying to take it over. He always um, knows exactly what movie he's in, which is like the greatest compliment I can give an actor. You never feel like he's not on the same page as the project, and not only that, it yeah. sometimes feels like he gets the project more than everyone else around him.
1: I, I agree with that and and I think that's true in this movie he's done. The only other one thing I wanted to say, I um he, he also he wasn't he in graceland did, did you work with him on graceland griffin
0: he was on Graceland. really, really? a 10 episode run on graceland anyway i um, did not i was on one episode of that you know, show i I worked with uh the fucking mary jane's friend from the play in spider-man 2
1: that sounds great yeah um, it was incredible you know, Grace, Pedro Pascal was in it was <laughs> was in narcos for three seasons which is a, a yeah. show i fell off of quickly and i know that's a big show never but watched much like jason momoa it does kind of feel this, like this crazy thing where you're like, Oh, he's famous from game of Thrones. And it's like four episodes. Yeah, He's in like, it's seven. Yeah. But like, yeah, he was in one season and he wasn't even in every episode, but it was kind of one of those performances where you're just like, Oh, I'll buy whatever this guy's fucking selling. Like he shows up two minutes in. You're just like, this is great. He's talking about his paramour. He's wearing like a robe.
0: Like this is the best. Who, uh, Who is this guy? Give me, give me everything. Uh, never watched Game of Thrones, but he's also one of these guys he where he's day. like, maybe. He, maybe he's not, maybe. 45. He's like a New York yeah. actor who's just been like a sort of completely kind of anonymous character actor for a long time. And then he had that breakout kind of late and he has run with it in the best possible way, like the most interesting way. Such an odd bodied, you know, varied body of work, rather. Uh, and when I see him in interviews, he just seems like a fucking normal, interesting person.
1: Hmm. Interesting, right? Just, uh, one I, of those I'm just famously
0: so, right, so all in on him. And this, I just was like, he's in the best version of this movie, and and and, 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 from and minute also one, his, he's high energy yes. right away. Yes, and also his character is the most interesting sort of idea this movie has because it's so different than the samey fucking types of villains we usually get in these films. You know?
1: Yeah. Um I the other thing I want, obviously, he is. The Mandalorian, as we yeah. all know. He is but, that that is the way. Um, it is the way, right. Um, and obviously, you know, it that's a performance that is being done in conjunction with a stunt man, mm-hmm. and even he will talk about it really, and he's not always in the soup. But although the, it sounds like season episode, two was
0: more him than season one.
1: I believe that is true, yes. Yeah. But the episode that uh I really loved, um the penultimate episode with Bill Burr. Yes. I liked all the episodes, but, um, which I I thought that episode was very good anyway, but Agreed. he also played, there's, so there's a whole extended sequence where he has his helmet off because yeah. he has to pretend to be an Imperial guy and he's playing it as a guy who doesn't know how to use his face to yes. interact with
0: people. It's, it, it, and, and- it should not be possible to pull that off it's like how do you do that without seeming like a bad actor right how do you make it clear that the character doesn't know how to use their face not that you as an actor don't have control of your face he's incredible Uh, and even if you just look at as a vocal performance it is astounding how much depth he gets out of mando who barely speaks and says everything almost in a monotone right
1: it's true But but, but, sorry, but back to this movie. Yes, so so he's Maxwell Lord. He's the opposite of that. He's full energy, no monotone from from Maxwell.
0: Right. And it's like, you know, obviously people make the Trump comparison, but there's also, I think, a lot of Max Shrek here. Right. I mean, Batman Returns has more and more become a weird uh, touchstone that directors now aspire to when they make these movies, because despite it being hated at the time or at least, you know, controversial, everyone's kind of come around to like, oh, wow, this this thing actually they used to let personality into these movies. And so much of that yes. idea in Batman Returns that's so compelling is the, like, you have these two villains, this one who's so sexy and this one who's so monstrous. But the real villain in the movie is just this shitty guy in an office who doesn't value human life.
2: I always complain about how villains, you're like, what are they doing for the rest of the day when they're not doing their villain? You know, what are, <laughs> sure. what are they eating? Or are they like
0: hanging out in a magazine like the samey marvel thing of just like who the fuck is Malachite? what is he doing the rest of the day and this guy you're like i get exactly who this guy is i understand exactly <laughs> right. what it drives him what he's trying to do what his failings are and i can imagine every minute that he's not on screen
1: uh a hundred percent great point point. and Malachite of oh, the greatest example right where he's right. he's just like okay okay i gave the big speech Mm. I haven't read that pile of New Yorkers but I don't want to <laughs> right. like he's like walking around right. I, I just I say I don't want to make the time for that I guess I'll just I guess I'll just play video games like you know right. what's, what does he do what is you know
0: I, I also think this is another really potent idea in the movie is you deal with Wonder Woman being a literal god right uh yeah. This odd status of, I guess, her being like the Jersey devil, where she appears every once in a while and beats up a yeah, bunch right. of crooks and then when disappears. Like, right. <laughs> no one can ever get confirmation. I guess someone helped us. Right, right. But that, but as you said, it raises all these questions of why wasn't she stopping other shit and what is she doing and how has it never been leaked and why is no one ever get her on camera and all this other shit. Whatever. But there's something to the fact that you deal with a literal God, right? This figure of worship in this genre that's about us like turning to more powerful people and asking them to solve all of our problems and counterpointing that with an entirely human person whose giant failing is that he wants to be seen that way, that he is selling as a brand. I can give you everything and that he himself is hollow, right, right, is unhappy and unsuccessful and is just trying to perpetuate the idea that he should be idolized and trusted, Right, that's good shit. Absolutely. That's that's good shit on paper. Like that's 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 compelling shit to build this movie around. Good shit on paper. Good shit on screen. I think almost every time he's on screen, the movie pretty much works for me. Outside of questions about internal logic of the wishing stone, this has been this weird year without superhero movies. Right after like yeah. two yeah. decades of their them controlling like the populist discourse.
1: Right, overrunning everything else.
0: Right. And this idea of like people feeling so like, you know, either burdened by them or singularly obsessed with them. There's so many people who are just like, yeah, I like only go see Marvel movies in theaters. And I go like, are you a big Marvel fan? They're like, no, it's just like those feel like the only movies that you need to go see in theaters. Like they go like it's renewing their passport and they're sort of like on the hook for it, but they don't even love it. And then you have people who love it and dislike anything else. All this sort of weird, complicated shit. Right. And then we have this odd year where after Endgame... which very much feels like the culmination of whatever this shit has been for the last 20 years. Suddenly, all these movies get put on ice, right? The right, like, endless churn of this shit is just stopped. And there's like a moment to step back and reflect. And you have people doubling down and going more like hyper into the rumor mill of everything including like spreading these insane bizarre fake rumors that are now constantly being combated and you have people who are like now that we've gone six months without having to like you know the government mandate that we have to go see one of these movies like i'm actually more angry about these movies than i usually was like i see that response too and i think there's just this whole thing of like reassessing these movies place in our culture and how far they've gone then you have this movie that is so unconcerned with how these movies are usually supposed to work and is, like, messy and misshapen. It comes out on a streaming platform, the last, like, big, you know, holiday of the year that everyone's hated... And people are just like, just make me feel good. Just I want right. to sit down and I want you to make me feel good. And instead, you get this movie that's kind of like cinematically got the vibe of a sitcom, has a magical fairy tale plot and feels like six oh, yeah. episodes of a Wonder Woman streaming TV show put together. Hell like, yeah. I, I well, also last part, but I think to a certain degree, that's the other thing is people were so excited about, like, I get to big bring the big screen home. And I don't think this film feels as cinematic as the first one. I think this movie feels a little bit more like the shit we see on streaming. And I think that's a point of disappointment for people, too. I'm not saying that people's gripes with the movie aren't valid. I'm just like trying to analyze why it 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 there is such a level of anger as opposed to just this is bad. And it feels like the last time I remember this level of anger at a movie like this outside of things like Ghostbusters and Last Jedi where there's like the contentious back and forth but this kind of thing where it's just like 99% of people are just furiously dunking on it was Spider-Man 3 and Spider-Man 3 is a movie that similarly is just this director being like I don't know I'm sort of tired of this genre is there other things I can do with it but that movie also has 40% shit the studio made him do at gunpoint that feels so dispassionate I don't feel that with this movie. That's the
1: problem. I was going to say the problem with Spider-Man Three is partly right that the studio's like, well, but wait a second, you can't, you can't go crazy because like that movie's probably better if they just let Raimi go nuts. It's probably yeah. not a you know, it's probably still alienating. Yes, um, because like you know, Peter Parker dancing around and all that—that's that's, right. that's stuff. Like, but if you let him just do what he wants and you don't have to like. Do a whole Green Goblin subplot And do a whole Salmon subplot And do a whole Venom yeah. subplot All in the same You know like then maybe it, Maybe it's a more coherent movie uh, And yes I don't think Look As much as people might be like Well come on Wonder Woman didn't, It didn't even gross as much as Aquaman There's just a cultural phenomenon thing with it That's beyond yeah. any other of these DC movies Totally The Snyder thing being its own separate Kind of more insane thing But like The fact that it was the first Wonder Woman movie, the fact that it was just kind of well liked by everyone—that she just kind of nailed it, yeah—and that it it played not like a superhero movie, that it like held well at the box office, had good word of mouth, kind of became a growing phenomenon, like. You you get to do whatever you want, and that's totally. what this is. She it's, got it's to do whatever she wanted.
0: Blank check status. And if we go back around to this whole conversation we have at the beginning of like, why are we covering these DC movies? Is are they should they still be a thing? You do step back, and it is like we were doing DC movies because it felt like this weird case of the blank check was Snyder trying to build the cinematic universe, and everyone trying to do it under his shadow. And now it has very right. much not become that. But in a weird way, DC has become significantly more director driven than the marvel movies on mass they are for how misshapen many of them are and they don't fit together they are very much movies that are defined by their filmmakers and all have very different vibes and interests and sensibilities by and large and i also think it's that thing that i kind of want at a comic book movies which is just like uh you go to a comic book store you can have three different books with the same character that all have wildly right. different art styles and different sensibilities. And the DC movies, for good or ill, because they don't have that quality control, have that thing. And this is an right. ultimate blank check movie because it is that weird case. Like sort of – I mean Kugler with Black Panther is another example where you're like, everything that works about this movie, you kind of have to give credit to this one person. This isn't machinery working. This movie should not have been this successful on paper. She tapped into something. And and then she was uninterested in trying to give people just the the same thing as a second course, you know? Which is always yeah. going to sort of piss people off, I think, to a degree. But I'll always sort of fight for the right for people to fucking fail on this scale. Uh and I and fight when, for
2: the right to party so. that oh. I see differently.
0: Absolutely. It also is just like, you know, people want to talk about like, you know, her as uh, an emblem of, uh, you know, gender in uh, filmmaking improving, right? The the women uh, uh, suddenly getting more opportunities as directors and you're like the most like progressive thing is that people hate this movie and she's got three humongous movies lined up. The thing that used to be unfathomable is that a woman could direct a movie that was a flop and be able to bounce back like they were Brett Ratner, you know? Right. And it's like, I love that she's got three major movies lined up and she's going to make a fucking sequel to this. And that she's got goodwill, which uh, studios never used to extend to women in these positions.
1: Uh, It's true. It's beyond the fact, because, like, obviously, in the sort of downtime between Warner Brothers announcing that this is coming out on HBO Max and Warner Brothers announcing, then announcing the HBO Max plan, Mm -hmm. the larger plan, um... And the movie coming out, there's that Jenkins interview where she's critical of Warner Brothers. She doesn't like the uh, HBO Max plan. People are saying, like, well, she took the money. Like, no, her agents negotiated her a proper payout for a movie that wasn't going to get released in theaters. Like, that's not she didn't take a buyout. Like,
0: yeah, she also said, like, I never would have agreed under other circumstances. These are very, very bizarre, specific times we're living. Agreed. Right. And like they, you know, they... They did that
1: release. You know, they figured that out in what yeah. well, quote unquote the right way where they're like, hey, we need we might need to put it on streaming. OK, then pay us the residuals we would have gotten from a blockbuster release. Yeah, mm-hmm. let's. OK, sure. You'll get this, you know, like yada, yada, yada. Um, whereas with the other movies, they were just kind of like, we're going to do it. Yay, Everyone's excited. Like, you know, without renouncing right. it to anybody. Anyway, so there was that the interview kind of gave the vibe of like, oh, there's bad blood here. And then you know Disney's announced that she's doing a Star Wars movie yeah okay maybe she's just gonna be like you know what I'm getting out of this mess uh-huh. and then when they announced day of uh, this yeah. movie's release that they're gonna do three with her that feels like them being like we whatever we were we're in and we gave her what she wanted whatever that might be right like yeah whatever the story she wants to tell is or we right like they 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 ponyed up.
0: I also think it's like she's, you know, saying that she's going to do Cleopatra with Gal Gadot, which I now wonder if that's the movie that's going to fall off the map. The, the Rogue yeah. Squadron thing. Yeah, that thing, definitely is. I don't think that movie's going to happen, and uh, no one should make a Cleopatra movie. It's cursed. Uh, but but also, yes. uh, Rogue Squadron is so far off. She has admitted that there's like nothing there, that just that she wants to make a fighter pilot movie. They don't even have the beginnings of a script. It's going to be years right. before that thing happens, and I think... Well, they're claiming 2023, but it does seem vague to me but that's them trying to work on hyperdrive i mean they're you know i think that deal was yeah, signed yeah. like four days before the fucking disney investor 100%. thing and i think they have nothing outside of her saying i'd like to do a movie about people if, you know x-wings it's an obvious Um, rogue squadron yes that makes sense right why not uh i think warner brothers sensed if we don't lock her down we stay in the position of having to wait eight or nine years for her to make another movie if she lets both of these movies come first right And they sense maybe the vulnerability in the Cleopatra thing and the fact that Star Wars was further off. And it's like you could make this for top priority right now. I also think – and this speaks to fucking AT&T wanting to turn Warner Brothers into Netflix. There is that aspect of just like any publicity is good publicity. They don't care if people hate this movie. They like that fucking 50 percent of people who have HBO Max watched it within 24 hours. That's the thing they've been trying to make happen is just people watching whatever it. number right because they don't care if it's emily in paris they don't care if people are watching shit just to come up with fucking twitter jokes they just care that what they got emily the eyeballs in paris? well what it's a huge question paris? and we're still dealing with the ripple effects of it
1: we are we i mean they really are there's gonna be a second whole season she's yeah. still gonna be in paris i assume yeah. also please. Uh, it's what called if it, what if emily not? in paris emily in are there things we haven't talked about? I guess there's just the big showdown that is, you know, Lord giving this increasingly demented speech with yeah. a wind machine blowing in his face, which I really enjoyed. Um, I enjoyed partly because, as you say, there was no portal open, there was no, um, you know, knockdown out fight that you needed to have with him. Like, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know, um, but like, I think I think the flaws you're pointing out here are. are well, I acknowledge them. Like, you know, there's a logic problem that the movie can overcome a lot of the time, but you know, for your big soaring finale, yeah. You probably need people to be dialed into exactly what the fuck is happening.
0: Right. And right. I don't know if they are. Right. I think it's just a little too scattered at that point. I like her yeah. sort of making this plea to the world. I like the idea of her sort of like weaponizing the media in order to reach out to people. It does raise that question of, I guess, what you said. Are we just supposed to treat it like everyone wakes up the next day and goes like, man, I can't remember. Really remember last Tuesday. There were those five days where I was out of commission. I think possibly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I'm not sure. They they keep it vague.
0: I also like the the Pedro Pascal flashback like I like Love the, the specificity of showing how much this guy is a fucking act and an act that yep. comes out of um, uh, self-loathing and a, a feeling yeah, of discomfort right. within society. Right. The sense of uh, otherness. Like him arranging the candy and the weird sign on the door when he's got the little office. Like that shit I find very emotionally impactful. It is weird that that's the character you end up feeling most for the entire movie. And it it gets to this problem for me. Like, so I'm sitting there. I'm really trying to like it. I'm finding the things I like. I'm going like, maybe this execution isn't there, but I get what she's trying to do and I'm with it. And for me, it's like when you get to the scene where – Steve is saying to her like you're losing your powers people are killing each other and it's just because I'm here you need to renounce your wish uh, and she has her sort of like you know uh, a teenager like I never get anything I want this is the one thing that makes me happy why won't anyone let me be happy thing sure yes. It it is a tough scene to swallow and it is that kind of thing of like the balance of how you make these godlike characters feel uh, vulnerable emotionally, but but at that point you're sort of like this is sort of like a radical entitlement thing where then Hmm. when you you mirror that with at the end her saying like i get it but i'm sorry none of us can have good things i gave up my good thing even though i had my good thing for longer than all of you have had your good things everyone give up their good things right now there's this element of the movie that feels like it's tapping into the same exact things that are frustrating about gal gadot doing the imagine video
1: (laughs) well that video was great no problems definitely wasn't so incredibly horrifyingly boring and cringeworthy, and that deaf. I had to turn it off. Seconds well, in, and, two, in, and, and, and in tune too. Everybody in tune, was hitting the in notes. Yeah, I mean. The event, ima- look, no, we can no. I'm sorry. We're, we're two hours a <laughs> night we we can't get into the imagine video. There's too much insanity. We just can't do it. Yes. I mean, you agree. It's too yes. much, too much.
0: but I think uh, look, but anyway, that yes. that comparison genuinely came to me in that moment, the thing of just like sure. everyone needs to be happy. And make these sacrifices, I say, as I film this video from my poolside, right. whatever, right? Nice, there, nice there, house, yes. Right. There's that kind of energy, which is a thing that's been driving uh, people, uh, understandably, irate throughout the pandemic. Uh, and yes. I also think that's another reason why this movie has so much anger against it is like, Gadot didn't yep. really do a movie in between Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman 2. She became such a big cultural figure after that. And I feel like there's now a sort of reckoning with the things that annoy people about her.
1: That that's possible. There is a weird I won't say weird. There is a, a venom to how people talk the movie she did, by the way, that you're forgetting is Justice League. But uh apart the from one. that, she didn't the really one. do a movie yet. Right. Yeah. Right. Um but uh and of course but but Griffin, soon there will be a death on the Nile.
0: It'll happen. There'll be a one death day. on the Nile. And we cannot forget that she was Shank in Ralph Breaks the Internet. But She's, as she is, She's as a good. live action oh. actor. Okay, she shank. Sure. She shank. Shank rules. We have no choice but to stand. But Justice League yep. is the only movie she had released with her face in it in between these two yeah, films, no, no, and no, people sure. write Justice League off, and they just go like, "Well, not her problem."
1: Yeah, she's actually one of the better things about it. But um, yeah, yeah people definitely have a lot of problems with her, and that's fine. And uh, there's a lot of good reasons, and some you know that maybe are less fair. I have no idea. I I, I I I like her. I'm like her as Wonder Woman, though. Like I, and well, you know, I love her as uh I Gazelle, love her in She's Fast, amazing. She's serious movies. She's yeah. great in those. And that was where when she popped, where you're like, oh, this is like, this is someone who is overqualified for this role. Like this like, someone, totally. this person seemed, even though I've never heard of her and I don't know who she is. Like this person just kind of has a lot more presence than yeah. you might expect from this kind of this character who's like, oh, she's like the hot lady who runs the races, you know, like and. That's part of the magic of Fast and Furious in general is that yes. it gives, you know, these characters more to do and more depth and more, you know, yeah. they're, 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 they're high quality blockbusters that I love. But, yeah, apart from that, like, I, you know, I yeah, like Chris Wonder Woman. I don't I don't want to
0: get a cup of coffee with her. I mean, uh, I guess, no, you know. I think she's certainly got her issues as a human being. Uh, and no, I, she's got her I limitations. I don't, no, but I, but right, I, but, right. I, but but guess what? Fucking everyone has their issues. Everyone's complicated. Yeah, exactly. The world is terrible. I all people are also awful. this is, is a movie is a podcast. Experiment.
1: I I can't weigh in on actors as people because it's just it's as we know it's like it, we're just you're just gonna be
0: disappointed most I likely. I agree. They're i are gonna most, let you down. This is I mean most look, likely. I, I, I tend to holster my nihilism to some degree on this podcast, and as you know all too well when we're not recording, I completely stress you out with how negative I am about everything at all times, especially in regards <laughs> to my faith in humanity at large, but I, it is a thing that I think when, like, celebrity backlash shit happens, and I don't get it, you know, save for things like Kevin Spacey or whatever, right, where it's like, I get it. That was I, I a little more it. than a backlash. <laughs> yeah, Maybe let's cancel that, man. Uh, let me be frank. The guy's a fucking psychopath. But uh, I I, I come from a baseline of just thinking that everyone's a bad person.
1: You know? Yeah. I, I just, I think with rich, famous people. That's the other thing. And fame
0: breaks people's fucking brains yeah. and they stop being normal people. Uh, not the tangent we want to go on in this podcast. This is the final thing I no, want to say. No, really,
1: no. Yeah. This yeah. is the final yes, thing I want to say.
0: Uh, although people have corrected me a lot in the past that in our original Wonder Woman episode, I said that Gal Gadot erroneously was an ex Mossad agent, uh, which of course was me, uh, confusing, uh, fast and furious with real life, a, th- a problem I have on a right. day-to-day basis. <laughs> she, she was like an instructor. <laughs> she was like, a, she was like a Pilates service. instructor, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. I don't know. Anyway. The, obviously yes, stuff we don't yes. want to fucking get into because it is impossible mm-hmm. to discuss. I, 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 I keep going. Keep going. What's your point? Here's what I want to say. When I've been trying to defend the weirdness of this movie, while still saying I don't really think it's good, but I admire its weirdness, some friends of mine have pushed back and gone like, but don't you feel like there's all this stuff that feels like studio notes and box checking and this and that? And I think that is, look, who knows, right? We don't know what fucking went on behind the scenes, but I do think there's, there's two things going on, okay? One of them is, I think Patty Jenkins is innately a populist i think she wants to mm, make sure. big colorful movies i think she is someone who understands the value of making something that is done in broad strokes with bright colors that hits very elemental themes in an unsubtle way it's a thing uh You're, like when her favorite director is pedro motivart
1: like, yeah. the, 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 she likes color.
0: She likes boldness, vibrancy. Like, right. that that's absolutely what she likes. And she's most. talked about that, like, Superman the movie is the movie that made her want to be a director. Yes. That was her Star Wars yes. when she was a kid. That's like the the primal text for her. Uh, You know, I, I think about, like, the my insane experience working on the Mulaney pilot for NBC. And when NBC passed on it and people said to him, why aren't you just doing this at Hulu? Why aren't you doing this at Comedy Central? Any of those people. Places would give you the money you know a smaller budget to do this and he said like part of the idea for me is being able to do this on network television like part of the right. challenge for him was that. can you do Seinfeld can you do it with content restrictions and the ability to you know uh uh sell car ads and all that sort of shit and I think Patty Jenkins has right. that thing neatly in her that she wants the challenge of making this type of movie uh writ large and i think if a lot of the things that people think are weird in this movie are sort of checkboxy were studio notes they would be executed in a way that was far less bizarre right right. like if it was a I studio agree. note I that agree. you have to bring chris pine back to life it would not have been done as a body swap thing
3: no right there's they no w- way that was a studio no note. this
0: feels like a movie where she very much got to do what she wanted to do i don't know this for sure but like it
1: might the studio might have been like are you sure because like Pine probably didn't have a sequel yeah. clause. No. I, you
0: know, it might have been like, fuck, we're yeah. going to have to pay him. You want Pine back? I think this was a movie where they kind of couldn't push back on her. And you also right. imagine that, like, if they were trying to mitigate risk on this movie and it was on the shelf for a year before it came out, they would have made her cut half an hour out of this movie. Like, if, if they had any yeah, control over her. Right. They wouldn't have let it be two and a half hours long and this bizarre. Um, the final thing I want to say, and I, I, I tease to you that I was going to make this a longer spiel, but I just want to throw it out as a threat. I think there's an interesting through line when you look at the DC movies, excluding the Nolan Batman films, but including sure. Green Lantern. I think there is an interesting okay. through line of how high Jeff Johns' credit is on the film and what the public perception of the movie is. And you were saying to me, it feels like he's a guy that Warner Brothers kind of went, can you be our Feige? But Jeff Johns is a dude who, like, his first job was working as Richard Donner's assistant. He's always wanted to be a movie guy. And it does feel like, to some degree, he's used comics to try to break into movies. And there is this thing of just, like, he was not really involved in Wonder Woman, and that movie was so big, and suddenly he's the co-writer and has co-story credit, and he wants to make himself part of it. He was, like, the main writer, along with Greg Berlanti, who obviously has gone on to do better DC stuff on Green Lantern. Uh, He was very involved in all the Joss Whedon drama on Justice League, you know, in the rehiring and all that sort of shit. And Aquaman, Mm -hmm. which is the other one, the one exception where he has a big credit on it. I think he has a story credit. He doesn't have a screen credit. But I think you and I can both agree the strong suit of. Aquaman is Juan, is the visuals, is the world building. Yeah, no, it's not the right. script. The it's script not is the fucking script. bananas. A it's no, a fucking yeah. mess. Right. And it's it like works.
1: The script, you're like, okay, like, I guess I'll go along with this.
0: But you're like but, Shazam uh, not- and the and the first Wonder Woman feel like the movies that Jeff Johns was like, I don't need to bother myself with that. Those are the smaller ones to some degree. Yeah.
1: I mean, obviously he was not. As involved with the the Snyder movies in general, right? The you know their Man of Steel, the, but
0: no, he was involved Batman. in in BVS. He was involved in BVS in a big. He's way. an
1: executive producer, but he's also an executive producer on Wonder Woman on the first one. I mean, you know, like he he. That's when he was in his sort of honcho role that is ill defined, right? Like you're there, whatever he he's the Fikey esque figure, sure. but. Um. now I'm looking it is funny that he this is a, actually Griffin this is his first screenplay credit weird
0: uh, ever Wait,
1: this well, is his why first ever screen he's why not was screenplay credited on Green Lantern
0: w- weird okay but he's got he's a the producer, producer of that, that movie Okay. yeah
1: I mean he, he was obviously and that movie is I mean he was the Green Lantern guy like his Green yeah. Lantern run in the 2000s was this like hot run
0: he was kind of running um, quarterback
1: on that movie I mean he was very hands right. on with that yeah the only movies he has a producer, not an executive, a proper yeah. producer credit on are Justice League and Green Lantern. Wow, uh, which I think are two movies that are unsuccessful. As they're you say. the two that he was the uh, most
0: hands-on with. One could say the
1: executive credits he has are on own, You know, he has one on Shazam as well. But like that, that's yeah. that's his role as DC Honcho, yeah. and then Wonder Woman 1984. He co-wrote with Patty Jenkins and someone called Dave. Callahan, who, who's like
0: become the hardest uh, working man in show business now, yeah. right? But now is like he wrote uh uh what call it the uh, why am I forgetting its name the Shang
3: movie, yes, yeah. and he's uh, he got like five, Mortal five Mortal other Combat big movies, movie.
0: right? This uh, this guy is also is writing the Disney Hercules live action movie, uh, is something that doesn't relate to this podcast at all. I was about going to on. say, how many Mortal Combats that. are there? Uh, This will be the third. Uh, He's writing Spider-Verse 2. Like, Callum is now writing everything. Uh, He was brought on late. Johns Mm -hmm. and Jenkins developed it, wrote it, and then Callum came on later. And Jenkins doesn't even have a screenwriting credit on the first movie, even though clearly she did a lot in shaping that. I just think Johns might be a little bit of an issue. And there does seem to be a thing where the more hands-on he gets with these movies, the more muddled they become. I got nothing I against think, the guy personally. I like a lot of his no, comic book work. Mean, I've started to right. view him as a little bit of a red flag when it comes to the movies. You know, Goyer used to be the the great villain,
1: right? Like people yes. would say like, oh, he's the one who messes up, like even though he has credits on movies people like. but yeah. And now it seems to maybe be shifting to John's. Those are both comic book nerds and mm-hmm. Johns is obviously a, a very accomplished comic book writer, like beyond you know he he, he yes. really his Flash stuff, his Green Lantern stuff is wow. yada yada yada. Yeah. Um, and his other thing that he I would say has had he's had more success is in the TV world in
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh, those CW show, The Flash being his yeah. creation. A lot of those shows he he's worked on, which is those are good. I would those are successful and fun. I usually fall off with them, but I, yeah. I have no beef with them, and they've got their whole sort of thing going.
0: And Berlanti is viewed as the auteur of those. Even Berlanti unfairly. obviously is. Yes, sometimes. It, I mean, some sure. of those shows he's very hands on, and some of those shows he right. just sort of put his stamp on uh, to help them get made. But, but Berlanti gets the credit for those shows.
1: I think John's is probably better at episodic comic book, I, I, you know, issue so. level storytelling. Right. Yes. I You know. This movie, I like it a lot more than you do, but it's mm-hmm. got, like you said, kind of a weird episodic vibe to it. Yeah. Um, and it's quite long, and mm-hmm. it's oddly structured. And I'm not going to throw all the blame at Jeff Johns because I like, again, I like the movie. And for God's sake, maybe yeah. it's all Patty Jenkins' fault. I don't. But like, who knows? I think you're right to to cock an eyebrow, perhaps, yeah. at his stewardship of this yeah. whole ridiculous enterprise. I, just I don't especially know. Or maybe I just, yeah,
0: I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's a, that's a, David, you put it perfectly. All it is is a cocked eyebrow and I look at Aquaman and Green Lantern in this movie and I see certain through lights, you know? Uh, I do and, too. And, and, and Shazam yeah. and Wonder Woman are like the ideals of what I want out of this universe. I put Birds of Prey number three after that. And those are the movies that by all accounts, he was not really touching. Um, I agree. I also love Aquaman. I can't wait to see the trench.
1: Can't wait to see Aquaman too. Sure. My whole thing with these DC movies is I think the whole thing is a fucking ridiculous disaster. Yeah. But I kind of like some of these movies. Kind of. Uh you know what am I supposed to say? Like, yeah. Am I just a sucker for this stuff? Do I just like it when they kind of take the weird swings? I don't know. Kind of. Is it exhausting that we have to keep coming back to this well? Absolutely. A little bit. Not so much right now, just because they're, like you said, it's been kind of a weird year. No superheroes anyway, so I guess, like, it's a little more fun, but, like, you know.
0: Are we going to talk about the Matt Reeves Batman movie? I don't know. I mean, it's like, that's another question, where you're just like, do we need to? I'm excited for that movie. I like Matt Reeves. Is it better to just hold off and maybe try to do Matt Reeves someday, but then, like... At what point does Matt Reeves have enough films under his belt that it feels like there's a real thing to talk about there? At this point, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, what else is coming? The, the, the gun movie, obviously. The
1: Flash movie with the machete is doing. That is happening, I believe. Yes. We don't want to do that one. It's got like Michael Keaton in it and I, Affleck. That's, 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 that's crazy. And,
0: and here's the other cynical <laughs> thing. People like to hear us talk about these movies because they're new big release movies and people want to yeah, hear sure. takes so and episodes do always do well for us. But there's some degree of like uh, we uh, we feel somewhat captive to covering these movies. Sometimes we don't feel like it. And then sometimes we fuck up and we skip Shazam and it's the best.
1: Right. So that's that's, you know. That should be the lesson learned for we us. We should.
2: The yeah. lesson is we can't skip Cyborg when it comes out eventually. In, yeah, and let me look for this 20 up. Twenty years or whatever. Cyborg
0: is. Well, what are you talking about, Ben? Cyborg is dated for 2018. It came out two years ago, I guess. <laughs> it was dated for. It, it, I believe it was
1: once officially given the release date of April 3rd, 2020, which. As far as I know, it didn't come out then. I, I mean, I, I'd have to check. It was kind of a hectic time.
0: Ugh. I want to say there was even an earlier release date because there was a point where they there were championing that they were going to come out before Black Panther.
1: There might have been. And uh, I just am now imagining a scenario where Warner Brothers is like, we released Cyborg 2020. Uh, you yeah, know, the pandemic, it was a hectic time. And it came out. Yeah, April. Yeah, it came out April 2020. It was good. It was good. You You might have seen it. It was good.
0: He okay. He, he was announced April 2014, and on 2014 they announced April 2020 as the release date. Uh, so, so you're nice. right. They gave themselves six years, and instead, uh, Ray Fisher has been starring in. <laughs> A lawsuit against Warner Brothers.
1: <laughs> I was about to say that didn't really work out. No. I feel like there's some some tension in that relationship yeah. in which he tweets constantly like
0: awaiting further
1: results from investigators. Like you know. it's
0: also wild. Like we saw that movie, and my takeaway was like he's probably the best performance in it. You were and like his you takeaway liked him. is like they threw out every scene I shot. Right. Yeah, I think he's good. It's a shame. I want to see him do more shit. I found him really engaging in that movie. He's like the one performance that kind of worked for me.
1: He's something new, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I like Momoa, but yeah, he's something new.
0: Yeah. <sighs> you okay, want to do well the box office game? We got it. It's the biggest hit of 2020. There is
1: one. <laughs> um, so this movie opened on Christmas Day to $16.7 million. I guess people are going to theaters. It's also uh, a little bit... Higher than ever.
0: Bro, I was going to say, all-time <laughs> yeah, COVID, is, middle of in winter a on a way. holiday, <laughs> and the movie is available to watch at home and yet it had a bigger opening weekend than Tenet there it it shows that there perhaps is some future to day and day.
1: It it's encouraging and depressing in that way of people just being like I want to do something and yes. obviously the argument is like when it's safe lots of people are going to want to do something yes. people aren't going to be like you know what I love what experience I've really settled into being on my couch why would I yeah. leave like yeah. I you know so it opened number one uh there it is there was a then i remember variety breaking down like there were a lot of private rentals like mm-hmm. a huge amount the uh, vast which has majority. become obviously yeah. a bit of a model for yeah. theaters the majority, trying to but stay a, alive a very
0: large no but size. a lot a lot yes. a good chunk yeah. um number two at the box office is another because you have like it's only 40 percent of theaters that are actually open right now something like that yeah. and obviously a lot of major markets are not yeah. Okay.
1: Um, but yeah, no, no. Number two, opening to two point two million dollars. Griffin, it's a new movie. It's a movie I liked. I bet you haven't seen it yet, but I think you will like it. Is it news of the I world? Imagine
0: you'll be watching it. It's news of the world. I'm, I'm very Greengrass. excited to watch it. Yes. I. I uh, just. I'm ready to be know, in the warm hands of Hanks.
1: It, yeah, not a masterpiece, but a, like a just a good solid. Tom Hanks is, you know, trying to keep the world from crumbling you know just through decency moving right david frankly that's all hmm. i need right now exactly especially i think with it's the pretty beard. good um and it's an interesting departure for Greengrass, which i appreciated yeah away i like that from too. the shaky um and it's a reunion i mean Greengrass got one of hanks's greatest performances uh yeah. in captain phillips and and this is a good movie it's good you'll like it it's out i, I i'm um, excited the- to watch it Number three is a family film. It has almost made a hundred million dollars at the box office
0: worldwide. Worldwide, oh, it's the Croods: A New Beginning. <laughs> it's a new age, okay? It's I not keep just a beginning. Titles wrong, yeah, yeah. Who's a new age? Oh, you, oh wait, I'm sorry. You got that
1: incredibly like vague ass basic title wrong. There's, who cares? Everyone like there, got that I, title I, wrong. I
0: know, but there's also like a COVID brain fog thing where I feel like I fucked up Bill and Ted in the game recently. Uh, oh, yeah, the Tenant right. episode you coming like, out next week, and there was some other movie that I totally misremembered the title of. Uh, uh, I don't. I'm trying to remember. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Uh, anyway. Number
1: four is a movie that. You, Ben, and I have, you know, semi-seriously discussed just renting a theater to go see. Monster Hunter. We want to go hunting. It's hunting yeah. season. <laughs> <laughs> looks like uh, fucking badass. Yeah, it looks... It r- does. Like the best it movie really, ever made. It does. And if this was just a normal time... It's just, oh, God, it's like NG's or whatever. It would just yeah. be the
0: movie yeah. where we go to the Kips Bay
1: to see it. And we're like, why is it in the smallest theater? I <laughs> like, know.
0: What's going on? We, we get drunk at <laughs> that pizza parlor beforehand. It'd be the best, fucking <sighs> best night of my life. God, is that place still open? Absolutely. I order deliver from them all the time.
1: Fuck yeah, that's great That place yeah. rules There's a
0: pizzeria I love um, It's a little secret And it's got kind of a secret bar in the back And I've been ordering delivery from them constantly A, because their pizza's good But B, also because I don't want it to close I want to be able to go to that bar Eight years from now Hell yeah,
1: yeah. Um, Absolutely We gotta go back there Number five at the box office It's a new release uh, It's a movie that I think is gonna get much discussed The more people see it um, But right now It's really just in hmm. theaters I think it's gonna be on VOD very soon uh, it made $700,000. What's hmm. the movie? Uh, it's, it's a...
0: It's hmm. not a Netflix movie, right? It's a studio movie? No. that's This is only... It's a, yeah. it's, it's a, a specialty. Focus, I believe. It's a focus. Oh, it's Promising yes. Young Woman. A- Promising Young Woman. Yes. Gary Mulligan.
1: Yes. yes. Um, which is a movie that I like a lot of things about. I... Mm-hmm. Had some problems with it, especially the ending, but I also saw it at Sundance in January and like, I, you know, was talking about it with Fran who just saw it the other, like, and she's like, you know, and this, and I'm like, oh, right. Like, I want to see it again. Like, it's, it's been a year, like, yeah. um, but I feel, you know, it's interesting. It's worth seeing. I assume you will watch it,
0: Griffin. I will watch it. Yes, absolutely. The next three months are going to be me just watching everything uh, for the Blanky Awards that I haven't watched for the last nine months when I've only been watching The Simpsons and Mary Tyler Moore. Right.
1: Um, You've also got
0: Fatal. Which one is that? Oh, that's, that's Dion Taylor. Swank? Yeah, De- Deion Taylor's kind of secretly an interesting filmmaker. I need to dig into him a little deeper. But th- that there's something going on with that guy. People say that movie is
1: crazy. Uh that's which th- is not yeah. necessarily a bad thing.
0: But he made black and blue, which with time I actually like even more. Uh he made um, the intruder, yeah, which is kind he of a made mess. The right. right, but, but a, is the intruder the uh Quaid? Quaid. One? Is that yeah. Quaid? Yeah, right but it's like yeah, a he's churning mess. him out he works really right. he fast made
1: meet the blacks with mike right. epps he right. made which is um, the purge parody right he made something called supremacy with i don't know fucking yeah danny glover
0: i don't know there, uh, there's yeah, he's, there's he's something working. with that guy i i don't know what it right. is yet but i'm i'm compelled i'm building an auteur narrative around him slowly but surely i'm gonna watch uh, that's cool
1: that's cool um You've also got uh, Pinocchio, that's the new Matteo Garone Pinocchio, that's Doc. You, you uh, couldn't got... keep Benini
0: away. Benini just keeps on needing to yeah, be part of Pinocchio him. movies.
1: Uh, absolutely. God, we should do Benini. Yeah. Uh, you've got Elf. You've got uh, Christmas Vacation. You've got The War with Grandpa, still holding on, Griffin. What's it up to, like 25? Place, 18, okay. 18. In, in four months, uh, three months, sorry. And in 11, I just want to shout it
0: out, the Polar Express. Oh, boy. And it's 842nd week. It is funny to see those like, oh, like top 10, Polar Express number eight made like $300,000. And then you look at box office total, 180. <laughs> like, right, they're right, numbers right. that don't make sense because they're logging them as if it's one continuous release. It's so weird. Yeah. What a weird time. Yeah. May it end. Hey, uh, David. You know, I don't know if you've heard anyone say this before, but uh, my my saying about 2020 is uh, rest in pieces. What? You want that thing in pieces? Yeah. 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 This year's duck boy. piss.
2: <laughs> I um, wish 2021 is better.
0: Oh yes. no, Ben's eyes are bleeding.
2: Oh, fuck.
0: <laughs> Ben's the stone. That's our new plot Why were you touching Pedro Pascal? 2021, we've him. decided we needed to shake up the podcast, so Ben's become the stone now. That's the new bit. Um, folks... <laughs> Speaking of 2021 and and slight changes, want to say uh, our artwork has changed a little bit on the podcast, and we want to thank our buddy Joe Bowen for doing that. And we got some other new artwork changes coming soon to Patreon, and also perhaps some new merch designs. But Joe has been such a great friend and uh, collaborator of the show, and uh, we should just say also because uh, we didn't really uh, talk about this publicly when it was happening, but it, it, we we have gone independent with our show, hence the. Uh, the artwork uh, changed uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, we decided we wanted to take on uh, doing the show ourselves. So we also want to thank uh, Audio Boom who who kept us mm-hmm. uh, alive took, for years. Yeah, took a chance on us, honestly. Uh, absolutely, uh, and uh, it still continues to still, yeah. sell yeah, ads for, for us. Uh, right, yeah, right, still doing did. work for them. Um, but uh, yes, Blank Check is now a Blank Check production. Uh, and, and speaking of, 2021, glow up, Leigh Montgomery, another dear friend and close ally of the show, has done a mm-hmm. new recording of the theme song. People don't know. I, I, like, texted him to write a theme song on, like, the Tuesday before the Saturday our episode was going to come out. Wait, you're, you're saying you left something to the last minute, a communication? I, I don't like want to talk about it. Doing- Okay. I don't want to talk about it, but that wonderful theme song was done very uh, quickly and scrappily on GarageBand. He's actually gone to a studio with his band, The Great American Novel, and re-recorded the theme song for them. And we love it, and we love him for it. And uh, people should should check out The Great American Novel in general. Go to his band camp, buy his music, it rules. So if you like the Blank Check theme song, then you should uh, listen to his other stuff.
2: Yeah, check it out. It's uh, Both are listed in the description.
0: Yes. Absolutely.
2: Spotify and Bandcamp.
0: But, folks, thank you for listening. And please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Go to blankies.red.com for some real nerdy shit. And go to our Shopify page where the Talk in the Walk Gossip Man shirt is available, along with coming imminently a restock of the Comedy Points and uh, pins. We got pins coming soon and some more stuff to come in the future tune in next week for tenet we're finally ready to perform a temporal pincer movement we were going to do Tenant first but then we decided to invert the release schedule yeah we inverted we inverted we rolled it one might say so Tenant next week then we're doing the final three zamacuses that closes out january and first episode february a sparkling new mini series no palate hey. cleansers in between because we're doing these two little new releases here
1: yeah they a the palate cleanser kind of yeah. just early. Early cleansers.
0: Yeah. Um, an early cleanse. And as always, magical wishing stone innocent.